tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Good morning. Welcome along to Tip Today. A very, very special tip, tip today because we're broadcasting from the Scouts Hall, Sarsfield Street, just beside the main guard in Clonmel. We're here today in association with the Tipperary Education and Training Board and they're hosting its annual Clonmel Campus Open Day at the main guard in the town today. We'll be chatting to various people involved in that coming up. I'll be chatting to Johnny Luby, who's live with us here in Clonmel uh, today. Uh, we'll speak to, as I say, members of the ETB. And also, we'll be speaking to an author about a brand new book called A Manual for the Human Spirit. We have our Friday panel unpacking the big topics of the week. All of that and much, much more indeed. Now, the text and WhatsApp is 83 We have that uh, €100 Euro voucher for Aramont Furniture in Nina to give away. We're helping them celebrate their brand new range of garden furniture that's available in store uh, right now. Of course, that's uh, €100 Euro voucher is based on your interaction with us on text and WhatsApp. And again, that's 83 Double three, double one. Quick look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today to the Irish Times, first of all. And the former HSE uh, Chief Executive, Paul Reid, has warned against revisionism in the state's inquiry into COVID-19. And his comments, needless to say, come as the government prepares the terms of a review of the pandemic with the response under fresh scrutiny after a former member of NEF had broke ranks and uh, criticised uh, major elements of the state's response. And we spoke about this extensively during uh, the week and we'll do so again uh, with our panel today. Also, uh, you might be interested to, to know uh, on the Times today, surging VAT receipts linked to higher inflation have boosted the government's finances for the start of the year. So the latest exchequer returns uh, show the sales uh, tax generated over €4 billion Euro in the first two months of 2023, almost €700 million or 21% up on last year's total at this stage. Uh, look at the Daily Mail, rather tragic story indeed. The mother of murdered boxer Kevin Sheehy has said she's sickened after learning that his killer will be sent back to the UK. To the Irish Independence and uh, the front page is dominated by a picture of Brian Kerr, who turns 70 and former players' uh, teammates and colleagues recall the contribution of a living saint to Irish football. A little bit of hyperbole there, I would think. Also on the Indo today, thousands of divorcees face the prospect of losing out on significant pension payouts as a result of major upheaval in the industry. And uh, finally, a look at the examiner. And uh, they're telling us that uh, major social media platforms such as Twitter and Facebook are working with Munster Technological University to stop six gigabytes of uh, confidential information about staff and students from being widely published on the Internet. Also, just uh, finally, uh, on the examiner today, Gardaí are investigating a suspected hate attack on a transgender woman in Cork City during which she was beaten by men armed with a crutch. And uh, the victim in her 40s suffered severe uh, lacerations to her head and a uh, suspected fractured hand in the violent daytime attack. So that's a quick look 
and what's making headlines in your newspapers today. And we're delighted to be live from Central Clonmel today. With me is the great Johnny Luby. How are you, Johnny? Morning, friend. Not too bad at all, be good. Good to see you today. And there's so many things we could talk about. Are you delighted about that windfall for the government? Uh, yeah, it's it's unbelievable, uh, really. But of course, when you had uh, the diesel and petrol at two euro a litre, like they had a quarter of that in vet, roughly, give or take, and you're looking at 50 cents in that, they didn't want to bring down the price because the more higher it goes up, the more that they have out of it. Yeah. They have so much money at the moment that they're actually getting lost in how to spend it. Like, that's why there's probably 300 of them going off on skites. To, uh, uh, for St. Patrick's Day. For St. Patrick's Day. And yeah. I just looked at it there again. Like, I, I, I'm nothing against the Greens. I haven't a knife in the Greens or anything else. But when I see him and Ryan going to China and Singapore, that bait's odd. Now, somebody did tell me that he was bringing a bicycle with him to <laughs> Yokozuma Airport. And he was going to cycle from there in to meet the Kim Yang Young or some of them Youngs. And that he'd better off if he went to Youngs at the halfway in Borussia I think, I think, friend, we're the most gullible crowd that ever put in. So, yeah. A government that, in my book, anything they touch, yeah. a disaster. You can go through the whole shebang. You'd have to say, did I ever think I'd see the day that Fianna Fáil could stand up and say something and Fine Gael will not bark at them, mm. or vice versa? Well, they're doing all of that, you see, they will tell us, in the interests of the country. And, uh, Fran, in my book, it is greed. Everything is greed and power with government. And don't ever let anybody else tell you that. Yeah. The Greens wanted to hold on to a bit of power. And they were the only ones that never shifted the seats uh, in, the, in the, the last chain over there where Leo Varadkar went in to be Taoiseach and Michal Martin went to be tarnished and somebody else went somewhere. I stepped out and I stepped well, in again. Well, it's the very same as the, deck, uh, the yeah. thing on the Titanic. <laughs> but, like, the Gre did the Greens move? No. They held on to their three positions because the others want the power. And the, I don't care what, that's my honest to God's opinion until I go to my grave. Yeah, but, I meant to ask see, James but, but we're in it. Is there, is there vet on funerals? Because I am not, I told my lads not to pay it. They can dig me up for all I care. You won't pay the vet on the funeral? I, no, I told them that, not to put, not, not to pay the vet. And that's it. <laughs> James David said he'd look into it. So they were, <laughs> he looked down into it, I'd say. And, and just to make you even more annoyed, uh, TD's pay, it's risen to 107,376. And that is surpassing the peak of uh, 2008, where they were at 106,000. Unbelievable. And the senators haven't too far behind them. They're mm. up in the 85, 90,000 brackets. Plus, plus well. exes. Plus, plus the exes. And yeah. the exes would come to twice as much. You know, yeah. it is, the whole thing, Fran, is unbelievable. But they tell us unless we pay that kind of money, we won't get the best people. <laughs> Listen, I'm on, what am I on? 13,000 a year. Are you? And surely to God I do as good as any. All you have to do is turn up, nod here and nod there, wink there and walk out. I've watched all the channels. Anybody that wanted is, it's 514. Mm. And at times there when people are speaking in the doll. There's nobody there. say 165 TDs. There might be only five though. I know. And what did, what, what did the government do? They sent down some representative to answer questions. I think the whole thing is a bloody sham. Tell me, tell, I, you have my blood up now. I, I have your blood up, and deliberately so uh, as well. Um, speaking of it, 43 years married yesterday. For yeah, God's friend. sake, that poor woman. I know, Poor yeah. Catherine. How she, does she deal with it? She just said that if it was the capital M, she'd be, gone, she'd be out after about 22 years. If she she says, here somebody. am I. She said, still stuck to this man, you know, <laughs> uh, and that, look, hey, we've had wonderful times, you know, we went here, there, in every place, you know, and I'd often give her an old nudge in the morning at half five with my elbow now. Yes. And uh, I'd say to her, uh, 
because I, I, I phoned my daughter uh, TikTok this morning, or talk tick or whatever it is. She's doing this Wardle game. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you know anything about No, you couldn't get that on that phone you have. No, I can't. I don't want it on my phone, but yeah. I did nudge her to tell her. She said, that's, you'll have to wake me up. She said, that's the bloody Wardle game, because the son-in-law rings her uh, every morning when he's going out milking the cows at half five, have that done. So that drives up bloody bananas. But anyway, uh, look, friend, hey, yeah. great times. I did pick up a few daffodils. Did you? Uh, I did, yeah. When I bulbs, up, I'd say. Yeah, more, more bulbs. Than. When I blew at the uh, brother's house the other day, I brought them up. You didn't even buy the flowers? No, you? friend. Hey, that's a waste of bloody money. So you took them from your brother's place? Yeah. <laughs> You're such a romantic. But but you, you came across a bit of luck as well. You split the bucket, you won. That's right, Jeff, friend. We're inside in Dinny Leahy's, which is a, a, a Clan William well-known watering hole uh, there last Monday night uh, week. And I'd been talking about Dinny. He was a <coughs> blue short one time. Remember that last I weekend? And he had well, a big blue yeah. short on. And the last night when I needed to collect to split the bucket, of course, he had a short that <laughs> basically of no colour, if you don't mind. <laughs> he just put his hands up. He said, no matter what I'm wearing, he said, you'll tell Frank Curry. But <coughs> you see, I had two euro. And uh, I put down uh, Tommy, Tony Coney was with me and uh, Tommy Cain. Mm. Uh, and a fella called Mutt Crow came in the door. And I had ordered... Uh, uh, four pints. But Mutt said, no, he said, I can't, uh, I'm not drinking. He says, I'm off it for Lint. And, that, and he said, I'll be back in 20 minutes. And he said, I put down on the envelope, Tony, Tommy, Mutt and Johnny with my mobile number. Right. And Tony Coney was sitting in the corner and he said, I can't see, he says, Clam Willem pulling out a Kilfeekel uh, split the pot. And to show you how honest they are inside in Clam Willem, fair play to them. Go on. Uh, out it came. So they rang me and this. I thought, uh, uh, what would the bun say? A wind up. A wind up of, yeah. the high, of the biggest order. But lo and behold, anyway, we uh, we had it in cash then on Monday night. So we gave Dinny another bit of a twist again. So uh, marvellous to come out and fair play to them, you know. So I joined it again, friend, just in case. Just, just in case. <laughs> yeah. uh, look, lightning doesn't uh, strike twice, that's uh, for sure. Just, because I know your son is in Wexford. Any thoughts on the Wexford Hospital fire? And no, uh, no, just that he said that. that, that the situation was chaotic and chronic down there. People being moved in ambulance cells mm. and everything else yeah. and fire brigades. In fairness, they seem to have de dealt with it pretty well, though. That's uh, right, yeah. emergency plan. Yeah, they did, yeah. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And I was interested, I think, in what Councillor Landy said that if Carrick and Shure had been available, and I still to this day yeah. can't Dave, understand... Davy Dunn said that. Oh, Davy yeah. Dunn. Yeah. yeah, I still can't understand why to this day that uh, uh, between that fine town of Clanmel here and Waterford, that we haven't uh, a set-down hospital, call it what you mm. like, have it yeah. opened anyway in Carrick and Shore. I think it's an absolute disgrace. I don't even know, did anybody come back to the ledge yet about it? On the Ross Gray set-up, sure, I don't they're know. They're still trying to get some answers where, where that is concerned. Um, to Hurling then, and uh, Cashel and Thurless. Um, That's right, Jeff. And a huge weekend uh, in the All-Ireland Colleges Hurling semi-finals where we have uh, Cashel Community School who won the Hearty Cup and uh, beat Thurless CBS in the final. Cashel are playing, I suppose, the Man United of colleges hurling in so far as that St. Kieran's are there or thereabouts every year. And uh, St. Kieran's, look, they have top-class players. They have two lads that were on the uh, uh, club team that won the All-Ireland this year. And uh, also they have a young fella called uh, Murphy around centre of the field. He's actually a grand-nephew of uh, Len Gaynor's. Uh, the temporary hurler yeah. uh, and uh, so he's supposed to be the own Kelly of present day hurling and uh, of course uh, uh, in 
I suppose, favouritism terms, uh, St Cairns would certainly be huge favourites. And I'm delighted with that because I think Cashel uh, Community School will give them talks of it when you look at the Borlands and the Feddots and the mm. Rose Greens and the Cashels and the Golden and Kilfeekle and the Nakavella Donaski Kickhams and they're all supplying uh, players there, you know. And look, young uh, Fogarty from uh, Borlehan, he's actually a grandnephew of Jim Fogarty's in Ballinlina in Golden, Jim and Trish, uh, Jim Captain, Mine Temple too. He did, I think to their one and only county senior hurling final in the early 70s. Mm. Uh, he's a grandson, actually. What am I saying, grandnephew? He's a grandson. So uh, when you have things like that, young Armand in Golden is a grandson of Con Cashes, and Con played up North Tipperary against with Len Gain on all of that. So, like, there's an S load more of them there. You could go through young McGrath's and uh, uh, Daly's, and uh, look, I'm just thinking off the top of my but, head. But, but great but families, one, great oh, families uh, and there. And families that are steeped yeah, in hurling. Yeah. You know, you go back, uh, they are like uh, Ryan Odewire that played hurling with Dublin. He's a key in Ryan Preston in Golden, would be uh, his nephew, and uh, that Ryan was a top class player with Cashel King Cormacs. And look, hey, if That's Cashel right. Community School are steep, but then Tullus CBS. Uh, right, they got beaten a pint or two by Cashel in that hearty cup final in Simple Stadium. Uh, I just thought that maybe playing the Dublin champions who were uh, who came in and a back door as such, uh, because Offaly had won the, the Leinster Colleges but weren't allowed to play as an Offaly combined colleges county team. And Offaly had beaten Cairns in the final, but one must remember that Offaly actually played Tipperary last year in the minor All-Ireland, and Tipperary were probably lucky to get victory in Nolan Park. So Offaly were, the, uh, Offaly were certainly the tops, but they only beat Cairns two points. But the Dublin lads that came in then, I just thought that Tull, I wasn't at the match, the Tullus CBS might have put them away uh, handier. But uh, Tullus CBS played the Galway champions who are quite good. And uh, look, hey, the very best of luck France, the two schools, it would be marvelous. And that's in Ke- uh, St. Kieran's, isn't it? Uh, uh, that match is in Bor. Oh, that, oh, that match is yeah, in Bor. Okay. Well, uh, sorry, tomorrow. the two hurling games, of course. Yeah, the two hurling games are in Bor tomorrow, please right. God. Okay, and good. of course, then with a marvelous victory for the Abbey CBS in Tipperary Town, they won the, uh, they're into the All Ireland Colleges B football final, which is a huge thing for them. I mm. mean, like in football, to come from eight or nine points behind to draw the game, draw in extra time, and on penalty shootouts, uh, the Abbey CBS went through. So fair play to them. It was wonderful. Brilliant. And yeah. of course, the ladies Camogie are absolutely top of the pops at the moment. They're getting a great tune out of them. I, under- I know well that it's only the league, but nevertheless, they seem to be on fire. And the ladies football, Peter Creedon, who's doing a, a fine job with them as well, they went up to Monaghan and uh, won uh, up there. So it was a, a blip in fed out against uh, Leash. And uh, now they're uh, top of the pops as well. So Imagine, the ladies yeah. are. And, and the Tip Dublin game, what, what are your thoughts? The tip Dublin game, yeah. look, he got a result out yeah. of it. Uh, he just took off a few players as a precaution, and any more than that. But one would say, look, everybody in every county knows out there that in, in certainties, there's no certainty, mm. only that you will die. But you don't know when, so that, thanks be to God for that. Although I would like a minute's notice, <laughs> just to say I apologise to all the listeners. But Frank Corey, and to have one last point, I guess. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, Limerick. If yes. there is such a thing, Limerick are horses of men. They have a tremendous panel. Imagine they played Galway last does week. Does it hurt you to say that? It does. Yeah, it grieves me. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I, what is it? I, I L L. It's not ill. 
I love Limerick. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like, imagine they went training last Sunday morning. The, the extended panel that he had thirty players on the extended panel and still brought twenty up to uh, twenty five up to Galway to, to to play Galway in the league. And look, I was watching a the friend. They're huge players physically yeah. wise and everything else. They'd absolutely frighten you, you know. Mm. But so what are you saying to me there now, Johnny? I'm saying that. Uh, uh, Look, who'll, who'll beat them, is that it? Yes, each other. You see, if they're beaten once, they're still in it. Yeah. That's the thing about the back door. And I think what I read from Nick English one time, if they're beaten twice, actually, you can, now who's going to beat them once, let alone tw- yeah. twice, they're beaten a second time? Uh, when I look around at the counties, like, it would be a great All-Ireland without Limerick. They definitely will do the four in the row. I haven't a clue what will happen in the football, but that's my... Uh, now, I'd love to be wrong. Right. And okay. I hope I am wrong. But, but you think four, four in a row? Yeah, but Tipperary, look, he's delighted with the way they're going, friend. There's only one way to go, and let's keep going the way they are. They'll end up in the league semi-final, and uh, whether they want to, uh, they'll probably kick on at that stage and see what they're like, because then a month later, or they may or may not kick on, because a month later the championship starts, you're yeah. way down to Clare in Ennis, and that's going to be a tough one then, and you're looking for performances the whole time. Well, indeed. Uh, to, to rugby uh, last weekend, Ireland, Italy, and England, Wales are very fun. The Wales, because I spent so much time there. What is happening to the Welsh rugby team? I, I would think that with the two or three uh, regions not going well in the Heineken Cup, uh, that has a big bearing on it, uh, and that and they're not going well. And as a result, the uh, uh, country team or the country itself, national team, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, national team, mm. not playing. Uh, Look, they probably haven't got the players uh, and that, but uh, Ireland, when you look at Leinster and Munster and Ulster and Connacht, like they're all tipping mm-hmm. away in the Heineken Cup and France are there in the Heineken Cup and that, but uh, Ireland didn't have a great performance themselves last weekend. Simply they were shot five or six players, but the other players had to stand up and be counted and some of them did, but uh, Italy, Italy, are, Italy are, are not bad, you know, like they are improving because a lot of players are playing in the French league, mm. so they're not too bad. And uh, of course, England, uh, England have a good draw in the actual World Cup uh, itself. We'll find it hard enough to beat England in the Aviva. We should be beating them. But uh, we'll find it hard enough to beat Scotland, of course, in Edinburgh. That's going to be a huge be game. Great, it, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. like, when they start up uh, Flower of Scotland oh, and right. they finish up with them, we sent them homewards to think <laughs> again. You know, it's wonderful. You know, Cashel yeah. got beaten last weekend uh, and that uh, up in Ballymena. Yeah. They didn't get a performance and that was it. Clanmel uh, did okay, and Nina, of course, are flying up there. But uh, Clanmel got a, a bonus point. They were beaten within the seven points uh, uh, situation. Kilfeek had a big win last weekend. They beat Cork Con's Junior Cup team in, in, a, in a Munster Junior Cup, maybe fourth round, and that was big for them. Uh, and that, but uh, I'd, I'd say, like, tis like everything else in the in the rugby scene, uh, tis down to clubs having injuries now yes, after a long campaign, you know, and the clubs mightn't have a lot of the players uh, to come in as subs and that kind of a thing. Um, St. Michael's, a fair journey. Yeah, a fair journey yeah. of Tommy, Tommy Fennan will be... Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a long road for Tommy. I'm actually delighted that he's gone up to that side of the Brilliant. country. Get him yeah. out of the town. <laughs> uh, uh, up in yeah, they'll go up on Saturday. Stay Saturday night, naturally, and play their yeah. big game on Sunday. Hopefully that they can do it to be brilliant if they were into the last four. I mean, friend, I often say, when you have 900 teams starting off and you're into the last four, but they seem to be at that every year, you know. And look, uh, the Cashel Utes had a big win uh, there when they... I just have it written down here someplace. Mm. Uh, the Cashel Utes... Um, what the fuck? What the hell is it? <laughs> <laughs> Town Utes. They beat Shanbelly United in a place called Scart 
in Clarine on oh. Sunday last. Oh, right, for for them. And of course, the swans are flying low at the moment Scott. outside in Duella. So, uh, um, would you talk to me about handball? Let's go to Friar Street in Cashel and, and the wonderful family that is the Donahue's. Yeah, friend, uh, yeah. they have a big game at the weekend, uh, which is tomorrow. Uh, Michael Person Memorial. Uh, Michael was a, a, trem- a tremendous young man, I think a teacher in Cashel Community School and struck down uh, with an illness. And Michael died there a few years ago, uh, the 27th of April, actually, 2016. Mm. Uh, they have a memorial tournament on Saturday, March the 4th in Cashel Handball Club. This is the fourth tournament. The last one was in 2019, but there was nothing that since then due to COVID. 16 teams play in total in doubles tournament. Each game is 25 minutes or first to 31 aces. So teams from the six counties in Munster, Tipcart, Waterford, Kerry, Clare and Limerick are playing. It starts at 9.30 and the final will be around uh, 4.30. Four groups of four with top teams into the semi-finals and see what happens after that. Very it would be absolutely fantastic. Of course, the Donohue's in their oh, passion, John. Yeah. Like they're the backbone of uh, yeah. sport in cash. Handball is their big thing. And you know? Maureen, who the Maureen, late, late Maureen, uh, Maureen was the uh, yeah. Maureen was the skipper of that outfit oh, there, I'm telling you, by and unbelievable. And a great, great yeah. counsellor in a the great counsellor as well. Too. And we were both very sorry to hear about the passing of Pat Flynn. That's right, yeah, Fran. Yeah. It was unbelievable, really, when word came true that Pat was, uh, had passed away. Our sympathies to the Flynn family and indeed to, uh, I suppose, Cashel Rugby Club, which yes. was a big part of his life for a long number of years. I suppose 40-odd years ago, we were play- maybe 45 years ago, we were playing rugby with Cashel. And Pat, I'd say, held every uh, post that was possible in that club. Uh, he was an absolute gentleman. He course married to Mickey Burke's daughter and Carmel, yes, yeah, Carmel yeah. and that and uh, uh, Tommy works above in uh, Derry Connors is mm. there, the veterinary place in Cashel and uh, uh, O'Connor Julian I might have given their full mm. title and uh, that Pat an absolute gentleman we adjourned to uh, Braslands afterwards Fran and of course there I often say it about that's the big thing about the pubs you know the fire is lighting and the problems of the world are solved mm. and you didn't have a, have a, a, dis- a dispute of with course, any yeah. one of the Browns oh. This time it was Peter Brown. Was it Peter <laughs> this time? A fine old scout, and uh, yeah. uh, there, there was a look, uh, a wonderful place to visit and say hello. Uh, you of know. course, as, as always, indeed. But condol- oh, I must mention the race. Condolences to, to Pat's family. That's yes. right, John. Mm. I must mention the raceway. It's on yeah, it. starting up in Rose Green on Saturday. Sunday next, uh, maybe around uh, 12 o'clock. It's okay. the start of the raceway. Friday, great days racing over. You want to bring the youngsters just to look at a series of racing, yeah. you know, and the crack and that. Yeah, mighty altogether. You were in Harney's with my old friends. Uh, That's right, Jeff, John, and I called it John Harney yeah. yesterday evening. You know, our, well, what time did we call it? Oh, yeah, we called around maybe half four or five o'clock, and uh, there was a few people there. But I met, you know, I love the nicknames. Like, I mean, I met Bertie. Uh, that'd be oh, common enough, but a f- guy called Towser. 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 Like, the, last, the only Towser I knew was in Fools and Hosts, <laughs> you know. And actually, Towser works in the host game uh, in Ballydale. Now, he's a landmark, you know. Uh, I said to John Hermney, I said, uh, Towser, uh, uh, I said, uh, what do you make of Towser? He said, an absolute legend. Yes. Oh, Towser. He said, this is Clara Han, of course, just in, for people who might be sure. That's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And that, I love the nicknames on people, Towser. you know. Uh, I have to say hello to the Burks down in Ballangalli they have uh, some kind of a or demolition contracting business. The two brothers are in it. But uh, I met him the other day on the side of the road down in Kilnar. I was looking at the Greyhound. I was inquiring about where Greyhound pups were down in Ballangarry. So they sent me off down the road. And I met a fella on the road then. And I said to him, I was just talking to him. He says, I, 
you, you Frank Horry's man. <laughs> the way he said, I said, I'm not his man, no, but I said, I think you're on the right wavelength. And that he said, will you tell him? He said, I was, uh, will you mention my name on Tip FM? I said, of course I will. I said, what's your name? He said, they calls me the weed. The weed. The weed. Oh, is that brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> so hello to the weed Hello as well. to the weed, indeed. All right. Um, you have a school story for us before you go. That's right, Jeff. And of course, I always think of uh, March the 11th, 73, which is next weekend. We were 50 years ago beaten in the Hearty Cup final. Mother of God, above tonight is frightening, you know. But I remember... Uh, of PJ Davern, the Lord of Mercy, and a teacher in Cash and CBS. An absolute yeah. lovely man, but Good he came into class one day, but I was wondering if I'd stand up on top of a table. <laughs> you know, this is, a, I'll have to tell you another story that won't take <laughs> a minute. But stand up on top of the table, and he says, Get down off that table, he said. I want you to write out now, he said. The man was in sixth year. I must be a goodbye in class. He says, Write it out 300 times. My man went home and he wrote it, came in the morning afterwards, and what he wrote down was, I must be a good boy in class. Please read this 300 times. <laughs> <laughs> if ever PJ Davenport. I'd say he went on to great things. <laughs> today. Uh, uh, uh. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie and you're very welcome back to Tip Today, a rather special tip today because we're here uh, at the Scouts Hall next to the main guard in Clonmel and we're here uh, in association with Tipperary's Education and Training bo uh, Board because they're hosting its annual Clonmel Campus Open Day at the main guard in the town today and people of all ages encouraged indeed to come along from 10am this morning and it will run until 2 but I'm delighted to be joined now by Colin Cummins who is Director of Further Education Education in Tipperary ETB. Good morning to you, Colin. Well, and thanks very much indeed for, for dropping into us uh, today. Can you just give us a bit of a, an overview of what people can expect from the event today, Colin? Thanks, Fran. Thanks for having us this morning. Welcome. Um, I suppose this is uh, ETB week, Fran. It's 10 years since the establishment of education and training boards in Ireland, which was would have seen the old VECs come together under one education training board. So Firstly, we're celebrating 10 years um, right across the, co the country, but certainly across Tipperary. Um, and in those 10 years, we've seen those participating in education and training rise from around 6,000 a year to, to, to almost, almost 13,000 learners annually across the county. So we've, we've got 10% of the population of the county involved in education and training. So we're really celebrating that today. Uh, we're also getting the word out about um, yes. education and training opportunities that are in the county. Um, and really, I suppose the idea is that whether you're young or old, whether you're you know about to leave school or have left school recently, whether you're somebody who's been out of education for quite some time, whether you want to maybe look at reskilling for your work or want to look at a new career pathway, you know, there's a course for you within Tipperary Education and Training Board, and it's local. It's local. It's based. It's your ETB. It's here in in your county, um, and there's loads of opportunities. And then in Clamel, what we're trying to do is really showcase uh, the open days by showcasing all those opportunities, meeting meeting the learners that are involved in the programmes, hearing their experience of what it's like to come back to adult education and training, um, you know, how positive an experience it mm. is, the learning opportunities there, and also where it can take you as well, um, you know, the pathway that it can take you in life, whether that's maybe into a new career, maybe it's on to further studies and higher education, or, you know, maybe it's just something that you want to do for yourself. Of course, yeah. Just, just I was very only. interested uh, to read over the last couple of days, Colin, that the demographic of those who are... Um, yeah, benefiting from this, it's, it's right across the board, from younger people right through to people who might even be retired. 
Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I think we did a recent uh, awards ceremony uh, here in Clonmel where I think the youngest participant was 16 getting an award and uh, the oldest was 96. So wow. there is really no age limit, you know, uh, on this. And I suppose that's really what the message is, is that, you know, there's 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 literally a program for everybody. And it's it might be just something that you would like to do just because you've been interested in area. You know, yes. people doing things in, in woodcraft or maybe engineering or in, you know, maybe life and leisure type programs. And they're doing it for their own development. They're just doing it for fun. They're doing it to meet other people. But we also have people that are on a very clear pathway who want to go somewhere. Career-wise, career, you mean? Career-wise yeah. mm. or, or education-wise. And just, you know, it gives people different opportunities. And I suppose the key message we would say is we run programs that operate across, I suppose, a framework of qualifications, which is levels one to six. And what mm. that really just means in plain English is that whether you're new to an area. So let's take, you know, if you're like me, you're not great with digital technologies. Um, well, maybe there's a program then for you to come in and learn how to use your smartphone. Right. Or... If you want to go on and do cyber securities, and that's high tech stuff, um, well, there was a course for that as well. Yeah, so it's so, right across the board. So it's right across yeah. the spectrum. And not to be afraid that, you know, if you haven't been involved in education for some time, or if it's a new area you don't know mm. nothing about, there's, there's probably a course that we can offer you in Tipperary Education Training Board that would, would, would suit your needs and you could get in meeting people you, and learn new things. You mentioned the word fear, and do you notice over the years and with your experience, people are not as fearful about embracing this now oh, as they absolutely, used to be? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think yeah. things really opened up. Um, and really, you know, I suppose we saw through COVID, uh, you know, our learners were fantastic. They, they embraced new, new ways of learning. They went online, our, our teachers, you'd hear from Stephen and the gang during the day, you know, our teachers and tutors and, and instructors were fantastic mm. in, in, a, in a embracing all of that and making it work. And so I think what you'll find is that, you know, maybe the school experience is a formal type of education yes. in education and training. Um, it's that kind of um, flexible approach and we can adjust to what the needs of learners are, how people learn. You know, that all works. Right. You know, we, we do it together. Maybe you know. the danger is, though, that people of a certain age, like myself, um, we might look back to our own school days, which could have been very tough and yeah. difficult and all of that, and we think, oh, is there going to be elements of that? Of course, it's totally it's different. It's totally different, totally yeah. Different. It's very different. This is adults learning together. Yeah. It's adults, you know, I think, you know, I think Stephen probably attest, you know, you'll hear from Stephen in a minute. You know, we, we probably learn as much from the adult learners that come into our classes as, as they learn from Because us. they have life experience. They bring the life experience. Yeah. They bring all that knowledge with them. You know, there's a there's a collegiality to, to, to the courses, you know, coming in, meeting people, you know, um, having that kind of social aspect. So even if you are doing something full-time, whether you're doing something part-time, and we offer it all across yes. the spectrum, um, you know, you're probably going to meet new friends. You'll, you may meet new new contacts. You'll, you'll have new connections with people. It's a link to the communities as well. And I think the one thing that you see in Clamel um, and it'll reflect in the open day today is some really great communities in Clamel and across the county and as an ETB as an education training board we work very closely with those communities to try and make sure that we're delivering the right type of courses in the right areas to meet the needs of the learners that are out there. Now you've chosen the main guard to be central I suppose uh, yeah. and, and inviting for people. Yeah. Well I think one of the things is that um, you know we're aware that you know education, education and training boards while we are all over the county and you know look I come from Anacartia I know you know it well I do um, you know it's a rural area um, you know but whether you're in Clamel, whether you're in a rural area like Anacartia there's a educated education training board course within you know a couple of kilometres of where you live so for me that's in Capo White yes. or here in Clamel. there's loads of locations we have we have obviously CTI where there's a lot of stuff going on there in the Mall we have the barracks where there's a lot of uh, programs going on there but there's locations right across the town and if you go to any town in the county 
you'll find education training board provision there. So literally, you can fall out your door and into a program this if you want. Great, yeah. so it's, it's I, I, I saw yesterday that the chief medical officer as well was encouraging older people post COVID to, to come back out into the community yeah. as well. This is an ideal opportunity for oh, that. Absolutely, well, you know? yeah, and we, and we would encourage that hugely because yeah. again, it's that piece of you know, uh, it's 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 what what our older our older citizens mm-hmm. will bring to the programs. That we we really value. Yes, we really look. You know, we look at. Yes, we're providing a program of interest for people, so that could be in lots of different areas. Um, but but that's the idea, and we, we get get people together, get people. You know, uh, you know, if you're feeling isolated at home, a course is a great way to go meet people because you have a focus, and there's lots of fun and enjoyment involved as well. So yes. The message is really whether you're 16 or 96. Right. You know, there's there's certainly you're, you're course, very yeah. welcome. So, so today, specifically, then between 10 and uh, 2, it's a, an open invite, isn't it? It's an open invite. I mean, you know, if you're around Clamel, come down to the, to, to the main guard, um, meet meet the team, meet the learners. More importantly, you'll hear from a lot of learners uh, in the main guard. Um, we have a brilliant band that will be playing um, up there who are on a music course here, for example. Um, we had heard them last night. We had a talent show for Tipperary Education Training Board, and we saw all the talent from our, our 11 schools across the county and our many, many education centres on display last night and the band were playing there so you, that'll be a performance to hear but I think you'll see you know, just kind of the energy they bring you'll see it in real terms, yes. you'll meet them you'll hear their experience of coming back to education and how positive it has been and we know it's positive because they tell us, you know, they're telling us this and they're enjoying it and as I say we shape the provision around yes. you know, what they're asking us to do. So and if you come today and you find something that's of interest to you, when is that up and running as a course then? Well, see, our courses, um, you know, we, a lot of our courses will start in September, um, yeah. but actually our courses run right away through the year. Um, and, you know, we have uh, such a range of provision, really. There, there's, there's almost always a rolling intake. So what I would say is when you come today, or if you if you hear it on Tip FM today and you're interested, um, make contact with the Education and Training Board. Look at our website; the details are there. Come down and talk to the team today, um, and they'll guide you on how to get involved, how to register for courses, how to um, you know how to get get yourself onto a course that you're interested in. They'll also explain what's involved. So take all that element of fear or concern that might be there about you know attending a course. You'll learn all about that, and you'll learn what the course will offer you as well. What what you can get from it. Um, and, and what's involved in it. Very well. good. So and of course you'll benefit from people who, who have gone through courses as well and then be able to chat. To oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah you hear, from, very, hear from everybody. Yeah. Very important. Yeah. All right. Will you stay with me, Colin? I need to take a break and then we'll speak to uh, Stephen Buckley as well. But we're live from Central Clonmel uh, today and I'll be right back Tip to you FM's in a moment. Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery's Garage and you're very welcome back to Tip Today, a rather special one because we are broadcasting from the Scouts Hall on Sarsfield Street, right beside the main guard, where um, the Tipperary Education and Training Board are hosting its annual Clonmel Campus uh, Open Day. Glad to be joined now by Stephen Buckley, and Stephen is coordinator of the Central Technical Institute in Clonmel. Stephen, good morning to you. Morning, and thanks very much indeed for coming into us uh, today as well. And once again, you also are encouraging people to come along and take part in this. Why so? Because? Yeah, I suppose um, Colin mentioned we've something for all ages, but we've also something for anyone of any skill level. Yes. Um, I suppose we've, if someone, I suppose, has issues with literacy and things like that, we've adult literacy courses for them. Um, we have a lot of Ukrainians after coming into the country who are looking to retrain. They're also working uh, with our adult literacy group. Um, they're being trained up, they're doing ESOL courses as well. Um, so they're things the ETB run. 
Uh, we've full-time courses in CTI Clonmel. We've part-time courses in the Barracks campus. We've a national learning network here. We have Clonmel Community Training Centre here. Adult literacy that I already mentioned. Apprenticeships are here and training training courses as well. So there's a huge variety there. Yes. Um, again, it spans across the county. We're focused on the ones we run here in Clamel today, so they're all the ones I mentioned there. Isn't that fantastic? I forgot about the, the, the literacy aspect to, to this because, I mean, that might be particularly off-putting for somebody who wants to come back to education, Stephen. 100%, yeah. yeah. Um, I suppose, yeah, that's the, the fear that people may have. They're maybe they, in their head they think they're not good enough, but I suppose we run courses from level one to level six on the national framework. Um, so there really is something for anyone of any level. And I suppose uh, it can be, I suppose we have a day like today where people can come down and meet us to have that conversation to see where they, they land on, on that national um, right. course frame. And, and have no fear about that. Exactly. In, in the least, exactly, you made yeah, very welcome yeah. indeed. Um, we're crying out for primary school teachers. There's opportunities yeah, here, oh, Stephen. We've, yeah, we have huge opportunities. So in CTI Clamel, we're running the early learning and care um, course. We were one of the, to Prairie TV, we're actually one of the f uh, 14 centres around the country to run th this new um, early learning and care course that is uh, overseen by TUSLA. Um, so we kind of have an upper hand in the market. We now have a link with the University of Sunderland where someone can do a level five and a level six ELC with us. They can do a level eight in the University of Sunderland. They will um, bring them into the final year of that degree program and they can do a master's in primary education then. So all of this Fran, takes four years mm. to become a primary school teacher. Cost wise, your cost here you're maybe 100 euro per year per course um, and then in the UK you have the UK fees of around 10,000 but Ireland is in the common travel area with the UK so I suppose you're getting the fees at the same rate as the UK you can also apply for the grant system the University of Sunderland will also give one year free accommodation to um, people looking to do that program what so a, a great huge, opportunity. huge opportunity what about the Irish language though so that's the that's the stipulation with um, mm. teaching in Ireland. You do your four years there, you do your conditional teaching practice over there, and you need to come back to do an Irish um, course here in Ireland after. I suppose there are those courses running around the country, but I suppose if, like, we're seeing a lot of people don't have Irish now at the minute as well. Mm. So there are ways you can still teach in a primary school. You can teach as a, I suppose, a, an additional teacher or a resource teacher in a primary school. Um, at the minute, there's such a, uh, there's such a shortage of teachers that mm -hmm. they have actually removed, they're looking for anyone with a qualification from the UK to teach in Ireland as well at the minute. Right. What so a great opportunity. Huge, yeah. huge and I suppose with that as well Fran, you have four qualifications in four years there. So like well, let's say if you do a degree programme, you go straight into it and you decide after two years maybe this isn't for me, mm. you have nothing. Whereas I suppose this route, you've actually four different qualifications. So it's, it's like a module uh, system, is it, the, that you gain each yeah, year? Like, yeah, so yeah. we have ELC stage one and two, so ELC, that's early learning care, it's the old childcare programme, mm. the new name is ELC. So stage one is you're working in the room, stage two is you're working as a centre manager. Right. Okay, so that's a, again a huge qualification. Isn't that great? Yeah. Much talk, of course, about apprenticeships as well, Stephen. Are there opportunities? Like there that? are. Yeah, we've um, Damien Walsh is coming down from TPTV, so he's overseeing apprenticeships, um, and we've our centre in Archestown. We're setting up a new one in Carrigan Shore as well. Um, so, like, there's huge opportunities within the county yes. for people doing apprenticeships. Like, we've um, electrical training. We have uh, what's the other one? We have plumbing. Um, and security systems. Right, and look at uh, the call there is for plumbers now and for yeah, oh, like it's electricians absolutely massive. and all of yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose with that as well, 
we also run in CTI Clamour, we have an engineering programme. It's tailored for people who want to go into engineering or people who want to go into, down the apprenticeship route. So I suppose, again, if you go directly into an apprenticeship and I suppose you're in a morning like this, it's a cold morning and you're up on a roof somewhere, you might be saying to yourself, oh, this isn't for me. So I suppose by doing a further aid course first, you have that opportunity to experience if an apprenticeship is for you or you get to experience which apprenticeship you want to do. So. What a great opportunity. And not a lot of young people want to do PE teaching, but there's a lot of difficulty if you go the normal road uh, to that, and a lot of points are involved and also. So have you opportunities we, for people there? We do. Um, so I suppose, yeah, that's the, like the points are the main issue mm-hmm. in Ireland. Yeah. So again, we have a link with the University of Sunderland for that as well. So you do your um, physical education and coaching course with us here in Clonmel. We actually have a link with Tipperary GA as well with that. Um, so they come in, they train up our coaches in Clam. We've, we ran as a pilot program here in Clamell this year, but we're looking to run it throughout the county next year. Um, they train up our coaches and they train them in, into the primary schools then. So like we've coaches going into the primary schools here in town on a Monday morning. Um, and then on their work experience later in the week, they go out to their own individual clubs. So there's a huge benefit for the uh, GA mm. clubs there as well, or soccer clubs or, or rugby clubs, um, if they want to get lads involved in it. Do you measure success? I mean, do you, do, you, do you look to the people who have benefited from this and are now out in the workforce and doing well? Do you, do you measure that in some ways? Um, I suppose we kind of look at... We measure success by people coming back to us or yes. an increase in numbers. It kind of tells us we're doing a good job. And I suppose Colin spoke earlier that the numbers over the last couple of years have increased. Um, and we're always looking to see where the gaps are in the market, um, yes. where we can, I suppose, upskill people as well. Um, mm. So, like again, there's huge opportunities for people who are changing um, even career as well. Of course, yeah. yeah. Colin, have you seen people's lives literally turned around by this? Yeah, I think we've seen people um, who, who, would, who would say that it, it has changed their lives in many different ways. It might have been originally giving them a qualification, and in some cases for people that have, have worked in an area for years but have no qualification, and that validation for them uh, coming through a further education training programme is brilliant. Yes. Uh, other people would say that it's, you know, it's opened doors for them, and it's given them opportunities they didn't think they had, and maybe if they had a negative experience in school, mm-hmm. you know, particularly you know, that door being opened for them and having a positive experience is, is, a, is a particularly cha- life-changing thing to happen. And just, just actually to, to Stephen's point there, what we've seen as well is that you know, for people that come through further education and training, we see very high dropout rates in colleges, you know, uh, particularly from areas like uh, Steve mentioned engineering. But what we find is that, you know, where you have programs where it might be as high a dropout rate as 60% in first year in college, where they go through further education and training first though along the way, when they know this course they really want to do then when they get there, we'll see that, that statistic reverse and you'll see that the 60% of those learners are succeeding in those programs and, and doing really, really well in those career areas because they've had that really positive experience, really good baseline of education and training and gained a lot of other skills along the way as well, not just um, the course they're doing but those life skills we all need, you know, how to study, how to, how to live independently, mm. how to, they all kind of are part of the journey that you're on in further yeah. education training. Can I put that to you as well, Stephen? Have you seen people's lives turned around by this, particularly people who might have struggled in school over the years? Oh, definitely. Um, I suppose it's a different form of education. Yeah. Um, like, I suppose when they're in school, there's the pressure of exams, whereas I suppose with a lot of these courses, it's kind of continuous assessment. Um, so it's breaking it down for that person. It's taking it step by step. And you'll see even you'll have Noel in later. Noel um, is one of our learners. She mm. was working in the finance sector for 40 yes. years. And she's back doing um, a further aid course for us now. And she says, next year, 
I'm going to do the same thing. I'm doing another further ed course. She just loves it. Right. And she came from a completely different background to yeah. do that. Yeah. And, so and she we'll find her out her story later. But that's, again, you've come across that quite often, have you? Yes. Yeah. 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 And again, like we said, we've learners from all ages. Um, so you've young right up to the older ages. And I suppose we've, uh, we're, again, we're looking to um, bring in other programs. So we have a new program in Thurles in Archstown. We're looking at the uh, home economics teaching. Um, so that's coming on board with, I think it's Mary I, is it? This with Mary I, yeah. 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 yeah, which yeah. is really exciting. Yeah. Uh, somebody picking up on something you said earlier on as well, Colin, uh, the music act aspect of what you do, somebody wanting more information on that. What, what do you do by way of music? Again, across the county, there's a range of different music options, but we do uh, you know, music uh, production, mm. uh, event management and music production would be kind of two key areas that, that, that are done there. So we have a lot of musicians, and, and you, you know, if you come to the main carriage, you'll meet some. Yeah. Them today, uh, where they, they're great musicians, but maybe don't know the business of music or yeah. how it works, yeah. how, what it's like to run a band, um, and so again, the course here running in CTI, for example, will give them that experience. So it develops their skills as musicians, but also their skills maybe as you know, in terms of planning events or planning gig, you know, what what it's like to actually work in the in the in the in the industry. Yes. Uh, so it gives them that again that wider set of skills. So that the band we had last night from CTI, um, you know, not only were they great performers, but they they actually knew how to manage the event for themselves, how to get there, how to get everything set up and, 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 and put a good show on for everybody, which is all part of that experience. So the, the, That's brilliant, Stephen, because I know of musicians who, you know, it took years to have those skills. I mean, they might be musical and creative and all of that, but sometimes they've been taken to the cleaners by unscrupulous people who would, you know, look to the fact that they're inexperienced about the business end of things. You know? Definitely, and I suppose, like, the people who are teaching on a lot of these courses as well, they actually have their own businesses as well. Yes. So like Liam, our music coordinator down in CTI, he's actually in a band in town. He's in the Wahays in town. So he has that experience that he's passing on to the learners. Yes. Um, same with our other course, like all our art teachers, they have their own businesses as well. Where they're right. so, passing so, on so they've they gone have. through all of this. Yes. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, great. Yeah. Somebody else asking about SNAs? Yeah, we actually run an SNA course here in Clamel. We have another one in Tip Town. Um, Cashel as well, we run an SNA course. Um, so again, it's a popular route for people, and there's plenty of opportunities. I suppose we've, the majority of the course we run as an SNA are full-time programs, um, starting in September until uh, May. And I suppose the experience they're getting from that is huge. They're like again, they're on the ground in Cashel. I know they do a great program where they're uh, they're working with Skull Cormac and Skull Angusa. Here in Clamwell, we're, we're looking to do the same. We have all our SNAs going out in placement to primary schools and secondary schools in the town. So again, they're getting that experience on the ground that sometimes you don't always get with online courses because I know there are a lot of online courses being offered. Yes. And the part with that as well is a lot of the online courses you might see advertised that are expensive courses. They're only giving you a module. Whereas we're giving you a full qualification. Right. So we're giving you eight modules there as an SNA. Which and is and the opportunity for placement is so important yes. to that, and isn't like it? Yeah. We also offer extra things like law of training. So that's sign language training. So yeah. like that gives people an upper hand in the market, in the mm. jobs market as well. Just you know? crazy. It's a coincidence. I only heard about that yesterday. In fact, I didn't realise that that was available to people. Yeah, you know, it is. It's, it's, it is. it's terrific. Like we've yeah. Nori, we, we spoke to Noreen earlier um, from Tip FM and she was saying she did a phlebotomy course through DTB as well, which, right. you know, it's, it's an excellent course. And I suppose these are courses that are on people's doorstep as well. Right. Like phlebotomy, what, is that blood? Yes, yeah. it's... Oh, 
Ta- taking people's blood. Taking people's blood. Yeah. All oh, right. Very yeah. interesting. And and th- that plays into one of our listeners as well, wanting to know about nursing, Colin. Is there is there anything you can tell us about that? Yeah. There's no, again, there's a number of nursing courses yeah. that, are, that are running uh, throughout the county. Um, and I suppose what they do is, is uh, you know, as you know, nursing is a degree program. Yes. So these would be pre-nursing courses that get you ready for going into that, that experience and have, uh, you know, tr- transition pathways or progression pathways from the further education into higher education for the full nursing program. So just finally then, you kick off in in just a few moments' time at the main guard until 2 o'clock. Everybody's welcome, Colin. Everybody's welcome, Fran, yeah. So uh, the more that can come down and meet us, and and as, as Stephen said, uh, no matter what your interests are, or if you've no interest, it's just a niggle that you have, yeah. something that's scratching away in the brain there. Come down, have a chat, even if you just walk away with a little bit more information, but but meet the learners, have a chat, talk to people there, experience it. You know, and um, there's no obligation once No right? obligation, no, come and chat, chat to us, yeah. you can talk to us in confidence if you want. Um, you know, I think, and I would stress actually one of the services in the in the ETB that I would recommend people who mightn't always know what they want to do, no one to do something, is talk to one of our guidance counsellors who will sit with you, have that chat, um, talk to you about the options available with no obligation but loads of information. So, right. um, Very good indeed. Colin Cummins there, Director of Further Education in Tipperary ETB and we also heard from Stephen Buckley and Stephen of course of uh, CTI in Clanmel. That's it for this hour and thanks very much indeed guys uh, for coming into us. Tannot, August and Olds, checked. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to the second hour of uh, Tip Today, a rather special tip today. We're out and about. We're here on Sarsfield Street in Clonmel, just next to, to the main. Guard, and we're here in association with our good friends at the Tipperary Education and Training Board, and they have their open day happening today from around now until two o'clock. And as you heard from uh, Colin and uh, from Stephen, everybody is welcome along to that. Even if you don't fully intend doing something this year, you might want to plan that in a couple of years' time you might want to benefit from um, the Education Training Board. So why not go along and uh, say hello to them? We have that 100 euro voucher to give away as well, and that's in association with our good friends at Aramont Furniture in Nina and that's based on your interaction with us by WhatsApp and text 083 just put Aramont at the end of your contribution and we will pop you into the draw, it's as simple as that. Now Pete Dono is a public speaker who is passionate about helping people to understand how their energy works so that they have the power to change any aspect of their lives. He has written a book called a manual for uh, the human spirit. I was fascinated about this when I heard about it and we invited Pete to join us and he's here with us in studio today. Pete, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. And lovely to see you today and thanks very much indeed for coming in to us. I was really, really fascinated about the book and what I've read uh, from it so far as well. But first of all, tell me about you. Um, how did you get into all of this about energy and all of that? Um, I was born with an, uh, an awful lot of energy, uh, my poor parents. And um, I, I, I grew up in a, in a padded nursery. I had that much energy. Fortunately, it was a big house, so I could kind of, you know, hide away in places. Um, trying to understand as I got older obviously that created quite a lot of difficulties problems um, and I needed to try and understand why I was behaving the way I was what it, because it was like a separate entity next to me 
was actually animating me. It was like I was on the back of some wild horse, but there were no reins, there were no brakes, just this uncontrollable energy, I mean, off the scale. And how did that work as a child? I mean, what did it affect? What aspects of your childhood did it affect? Oh, I couldn't read or write. Well, Even when I left school at, what, 16, 15, 16, I couldn't read or write. Um, I was a problem child. I was always put in another room. Um, I wasn't allowed to go on school, school trips. <laughs> As you can because imagine. you were disruptive, was that it? Completely and utterly. But yeah. not, not I, I was never malicious with it. That was the funny thing about it. I was never malicious. I was never aggressive. I was just f full of energy, un yes. uncontrollable, of curious energy, basically. Nowadays, we would put a label on that, a condition on that yeah. or something. But yeah. why did you not just see it as a condition as opposed to an abundance of, of energy, Pete? Um, my father was, was brilliant in some aspects, and he said that... Um, if, if he does anything wrong, you can discipline him, but you mustn't crush his spirit. And that's where it kind of Very came good. from. It was like that was the, 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 the energy that I was feeling when I started to conceptualise it as I got older. Then all of a sudden I realised, oh, that's what the spirit is. That's what I'm experiencing, that rush of energy. And uh, tell me about that then. You began to investigate um, what was going on with you. Mm. When did you decide that this was an abundance of energy? Um, it, was in the sh it, it was in the shower one morning. I remember throwing the shampoo bottle around. You were a delight, weren't you? <laughs> so I, I just decided, I, I suppose I was in my... 30s and I realized something was seriously wrong with the direction I was going with my life and I was having that dark night of the soul a crisis yeah. everything was going wrong I couldn't you know nothing was really working for me and, and I realized that if I could understand the energy and so so I just I just decided to surrender and I was so angry with, with the position I was in, in my life at that 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 conflict that I just decided in the shower one morning to surrender to whatever happened next was going to happen next and boy did it and how did that change your life then because then i was able to once you once once you have the intent to look at something or mm. the intent to change something you 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 imbued these forces that are unbelievably powerful that we don't even know are there because it's the energy so the moment I decided I was going to change direction from my life, from having a materialistic life to having an energetic life, everything changed. I, I'd started to get um, spiritual downloads. I was talking to people in comas. I was um, started, you know, from that it started, everything started to develop. And, and, and I'm still on that practicing journey. You know, right. I'm still and, learning. And uh, just a bit more detail on how you can trigger that to happen in your life. Um, well, anybody can do it. All you've got to do is have the intent, but you have to stop first. The problem is, is that we are programmed by 95% of the time of yeah. you get up, you go to work, you've got to pay your bills, you've got to do this, you've got to, you know, all these things are continuously programming us um, to basically have low self-esteem, um, stay in debt and and subscribe to systems that were, were wonderful when they were created but unfortunately they've become antiquated so they're no longer really serving their purpose in a modern world looking at it from an energetic point of view and that's what i ended up doing was i started looking at everything as an energy the presumption though is that to benefit from what it is you're talking about that you have to be enlightened in some way there's some road to damascus experience or something. <laughs> but from reading what i've read of your book you don't have to be that sort of no uh, 
No, that's that's the beautiful thing about it. It's a bolt-on if you if if you want to have a road to Damascus, or if, mm. you know, yeah. if if as a part of your your own belief system, it's a, it's a bolt-on to that. But basically, the thing that you need is the ability to make the decision, to have the intent. And I can't stress enough how how important in, intent is, because the moment you have the intent to win a game, to change your life, to heal yourself. To, to, to release trauma from the past. The moment you start to do that, planets start moving. I mean, it is, it is really a powerful thing. Your, every cell in your body starts to change its physical makeup. I mean, we can talk about it in detail if mm. you want, but it's, mm. it's the intent is, is one of the most important things. Yeah. The other thing that you need is the ability to love yourself. And that's, that's where it just becomes accessible to anyone that's very central in your writing yeah. isn't it yeah. yeah because unless you love yourself of course you know you, you're Good not going to connect with others and, yeah and that's the point isn't it yeah well so love is is the background radiation of life right. that's this this isn't romantic mills and boone love you're no. talking about here. this is <laughs> no. a much much greater thing yeah yeah it's it's yeah. it's 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 the the energy of the ether. It's the energy that they're discovering in quantum physics. It's the energy of the universe. Mm. And our interpretation of love has always been, you know, a Milton Boone mm. or a romantic version of it, which, which it is our interpretations. But love is the transformation of harmonious amounts of energy. And that's what love is. So if you're able, if you have a relationship with someone and you're able to transform energy harmoniously then that's that's love if you start rowing or having conflict then that's that's something else so if you apply that system which you can do to yourself because then instead of having conflict with yourself because you're worried about this you're not tall enough you're not big enough you're not small enough you're not rich enough then that's not self-love. That's you have to love yourself for the person that you are. The moment that you can switch onto that, and there's three levels of it. So if you have just um, you love yourself, that's almost an a, an unconscious level. If you love yourself more, that's a subconscious level. But if you love yourself unconditionally, that is a conscious level. And, right. and, and so you're aware of that. So that you're aware of it because when right. you become aware of it in yourself. You become aware of it in everybody else. It's most interesting. We hear a lot about energy, of course, in, in recent times, uh, whether it's fueling our cars or our homes or whatever. Hmm. But the energy that you're referring to, what is that? Um, it's, it's the background energy. It's the radiation of the, of the universe that was created in the Big Bang. It's, it's, it's the inertia. But here's, here's the thing that they're discovering, science is discovering at the moment. Not only is, the, is it the, you know, you have solar energy, which obviously we eat, that's, that gives us the power to move about. But it's also emotional energy is, is, is a part of that. And what they're discovering is, is, and I find this absolutely fascinating, there's some scientists in Germany who are really on this. They're d discovering that they're, from what they're, they're finding is, is that it's conscious. Mm. And that, when you plug into that, that then is, it changes the whole... Right, explain that to me now, because that's that whole no notion of consciousness, I suppose, mm -hmm. which is outside of our human body, isn't yeah. it? It's, yeah. it's, it's the bigger part of ourselves, the, yeah. the, core, of, the core of us, I suppose. Yeah. So, so if we think of it as in, in terms of radio, mm. um, so the initial 
explosion of the creation of the universe wanted to try and understand itself and that's that's where the consciousness came from where basically it's nodes that are just sending information and feedback to it so the it's a deep subject <laughs> um, so what was what was your question? No, we were talking about consciousness, I suppose, and that that is outside of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 so in 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 terms of radio, is is that the radio frequency is there, mm. but our voices are on it, mm. and so there's a consciousness coming to it, and and people are radio transmitters and radio receivers they, they've proved that you know beyond any shadow of doubt that you can pick up yes, information course, yeah. you know i can read people at a distance in, in another country and, and and go through their body to find out where their energy blocks are so it's 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 that that information is in that energy field it's in the, that radio frequency it's in that transmission and it's, we can pick that up. It's very interesting. You're here speaking to me now, and Owen is with us, and Emma is with us as well. What, what are you getting here in this room right now in terms of energy? Um, it's it's a lovely feeling. There's a, there's a really nice, and it, it, is, it is all down to feelings. Um, so there's a softness and a roundness to it, um, and a calmness. Um, you're doing something else as well. I'm not quite sure what you're up to. Owen <laughs> looks. Um, just looking after our, our techie end of things and everything right, else. So, so, yeah. so, but it's um, if anybody wanted wanted me to to read them, which I can, mm. or then then what I need is I need their date of birth. Mm. I need uh, their permission. Yes. Otherwise, I just hit a static wall. You know, like a television screen. Yeah. So if 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 you can imagine, you get to that bit where there's just. On your, on your screen. Right, so it's interference of Interference, then kind of yeah. I can't get through to read people. Um, so, so people have to be open to you, is that it as well? They, they have to instruct yeah. me to do it. I, right. I have to be allowed to do it. I can't just go around reading right. people. And, and how can you help them if you have that ability to do that? Um, so let's say the last person, I, ca I can't really go into detail because it was quite a tra traumatic experience mm. in our history. Um, we talk a lot about how you can release trauma from the past so you have seven energy centers in your body mm. these energy centers correspond with the lowest energy centers to do with stuff that's happening in the planet the heart that is in the middle transforms information between physical matter and conscious energy which is higher up which is the seventh chakra which deals with nothing but conscious energy yes each one of these is associated to a part of your physical body in the book, it tells you this energy center will affect this part of your body because mm. that energy center transforms the information, the conscious information, of what you're experiencing in your life. So when I'm reading somebody, if I say the three bottom chakras are, or energy centers is the body, the three middle ones incorporating one of the lower ones is the soul, mm. and the three upper ones incorporating the higher one of the soul is the mind and, so and, how, the mind, do you, and how do you get into that how, how do you see that or what do you see well, you in just get images can you yeah, yeah. so 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 then you I, I sit down i get into a meditation and then i invite the divine spirit through me I, so as i i get my crystal as clear as possible so i've got no angst no no stress no pressure no nothing i'm just in that present moment when i'm in that present moment i'm then able to say okay the person's name is this their birth birthday is this and they give me permission to do a reading. And then what I do is I start off at the lowest 
energy, which is closest to the planet, the, the mm. first chakra, and then yeah. I make, make my way up. Now, what will happen is, is as I'm making my way up through these, an image will appear. And it'll be a distinct image, different to our imagination. So what I'll do is I'll go through the whole lot, and then I'll go back and revisit that site. And if that image is still strong and powerful, and I mean it is... It is it's like looking at a weird TV. Right. Um, so what I saw with this, this person was that there was a, a, a cable, a white cable attached to their first chakra, and on the end of that cable was their history. And when I explained what I saw, I, I don't want you know, as I say... Right. It was, well, it, there was something traumatic, wasn't Incredibly it? traumatic. I mean, of, you know, mm. really odious. I can see it's even affecting you as you yeah. talk to me here. So it, it must have been very powerful, was it? It, it was. And this, this um, person had been taking this around with them all their life, and then they realised that that had to be released. It had to go, because it was held by um, a, a weight... In, on, on a beach where there were the sands of tra time, couldn't get over it, and this weight was held there. So it was a block. And uh, so, how do you deal with that then? Well, I, I, so it's it's an amazing. <laughs> I'm glad you asked that. So, so I, I explained to this lady what I'd seen, and and that she should do a ceremony to release the image that I'd I'd seen, and and she did it, and she she was so grateful it was it was incredible because it released this this traumatic experience that had and was there an her. immediate uh, effect to this I mean, oh it? yeah yeah like yeah. a weight lifted off and so oh literally yeah wow. so but but for me when i have those experiences when i truly connect it's like i've found another note there's like h or there's a different color and so for three days after I, I, I give these readings, if I hit it, I, I'm, I'm glowing. I, I've had this incredible, beautiful... It makes me emotional even talking so, about it. So it's powering you as well. In oh, yeah. 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 Isn't, it, isn't it fascinating? Well, I, I, I kind of get out the way, if you like. Yeah. You know, and let this thing just so come you, through. So you're a conduit for this. In yeah. Words. yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, it's a couple of, well, so much of this uh, intrigued me, but also nowadays we're talking about that overlap of gender, for example, between male and female. But you, you say there's a breakdown of different kinds of energy from male and female. There's negative and positive. Yeah, in, in the respect of that a negative energy, if you just think of a battery, so the energy comes from the negative part to the positive part and then back to the negative part and if you put a switch on that you can turn lights on and off and it's exactly the same with the universe the universe is a battery it just created this energy source that we now transform um, and the sun just for, i mean there's so many things i could talk to you about but the other thing and again it's intrigued me lately because i've had some conversations about it is time and whether or not time is linear in some way and, <laughs> and all of that as well. And uh, one I was reading about lately is our perception of time from when we were kids, totally different to now. Everything seems to be flying by. Yeah. Um, where does time come into this? Um, so, <clears throat> right. It, around us, as, as this energy is coming through us and up from the planet mm. and from above, we're basically an electrical cord, if you like. There's a biofield is created around the outside of that, and it extends to about six feet either side of us. A scientist called um, Eileen McCusick has now mapped it using tuning forks, 
She can step in from the outside of your biofield and in. So time is relevant that if you can imagine on the outside of your biofield, let's say you're 40 years old, those things that are happening out there, the traumas that can be picked up on the outside of your biofield are happened when you were born. The things that happened to you when you were 20 will be halfway between you and the edge of your biofield. Things that happened 10 years ago will be in that one quarter. And when you were 10, that will be in the, the last quarter before, before the end of your biofield. Now, not only is what I was saying, we've got these seven areas mm. that, that correspond to um, crisis or, or to aspects of our life and, and our anatomy. If you now go vertical, not horizontal, but if you go vertical, then there's time is involved in that. So time is a marker for when these events occurred. But I've, I've seen people just hit the tuning forks, come in, find someone's trauma, right. tell them what the trauma was, and then take it so out of the tuning forks. So if fork. it's tuning forks, it's a frequency then, obviously, isn't yeah, it? Is it's, it's, it is? Yeah, it's, it, they're, there's, they're all different shapes and sizes, depending on, on what the trauma was. Mm. So if it, if it was something serious that hammered, like anger, mm. that's like wire wool. And, and you can feel it. You can feel it. There's, there's another woman... Who, um, an American. She's brilliant. She, she, I mean, she's this kind of happy blonde, and she's mm. all happy and cheerful and very kind of daisy-like. And then she just goes up to people and she goes, "Oh, there's your trauma." And then she puts her hand into the biofield, the person's biofield, and tells them what happened at that point in their life wow. and what that trauma was, what caused it, and what they have to do to isn't get rid it, of isn't it. Isn't it incredible? Before I let people know about the book and about where you are to, tomorrow, can I ask you about afterlife? Because, I mean, if we're, we're energy and if eventually, I suppose, we can dispose of these, yeah. these bodies, where do we go? What do we do? Do we come back again? Are we just yeah. part of some... What, what happens? Um, we... In, in my, my picture of reality, I understand that other people have, have visions of reality, but this, in my reality, when that original happen, happening occurred at the beginning of time, our souls were born within that experience. And what they're trying to do is, is find the frequency so that they can return home. And that frequency is love. Until we can actually start to vibrate at the frequency of unconditional love we can't go home we're we're on we're on holiday we're in paradise we're on in in this this place this school love school called right. called planet earth so that's that's but what happens eventually that we do learn enough for to, we, to go back to the original state is that yeah right? but yeah. we we the, so we we live in a four dimensional reality we've yeah. got length breadth width and time but actually if if you can think of, of now it's things going in and out, not just in linear, then all of a sudden you're creating other dimensions. And that's and why we I, can live in those. I would recommend the book because there's some images there that might help with some of these concepts yes. that, that are very difficult to, to uh, put forward on, on, on radio. You have a workshop tomorrow in Clonmel, but I guess it's kind of full, is it? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's booked out, but if someone felt that they really needed to, to pop along, um, it starts at 9 o'clock, it's at... Um, Peter Street, 11 Peter Street, and it's, uh, I'm doing it in, in um, cahoots with uh, Eileen Meehan, okay. who's a hypnotherapist. So it's, it's brilliant because 
using neuroplasticity where I, both of us are able to build the layers. So as people, I, wa I want to be able to just give people the tools in right. a four-hour session where they turn up that, you know, we find out what, what, they, what they want to heal, okay. what they want to achieve. And if from our conversation today people are intrigued and they might see, this could help me greatly, can they just rock up tomorrow, do you think? Um, quite possibly. Probably best they, they emailed me. Okay, um, and what is the email? It's multiversalenergy.com. Okay, and we'll have that here at the reception as well. So it's yeah. multi... Versal. Multiversalenergy.com. All right. Uh, the book is called A Manual for the Human Spirit. Where is that available, by the way? Um, it's available off the website. It's in Waterford at the moment. It's in Kilkenny. And soon we're going to be putting in Clonmel. And then, and then we're going to be doing this show. The book has been written as a programme. I mean, if, as you could see, it's, it's almost like a, it's for a theatre programme. Yes. So is that it's, it's made for the youngest possible audience we could possibly get to. Um, so, so, so as many why, can why is it dedicated to your son, Sydney? Um, because it, when I had a, a, a child, it was like I took my old glasses off and put a new set of glasses on. I was like, wow. And then, and then it, it, he, it, it was so inspiring to see how much he knew. You know, but of course, just, life just instinctively. You it, mean, yeah, it? it was. It was. In, so it was. Was in, he your teacher? <laughs> He might have been me dad, I don't know. <laughs> you know, the way it works, it's a bit strange. But he's, he's, uh, I'm, I've, I've, I moved to Ireland and, um, and he, he, and, you know, it was just fantastic, absolutely right. fantastic. Well, we were delighted to have you on the show today, Peter. Thanks very much indeed for coming. Thank you, Fran. Thank, thank you for thank that. You for that. That's brilliant. Like That's Peter Dunham. The, the book is called A Manual for the Human Spirit. We're live from Sarsfield Street in Clamell today. We'll take a break back with more. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to Tip Today, a rather special one as well, because they've allowed us out and we're broadcasting from the Scouts Hall, Sarsfield Street, uh, right beside the main guard in Clonmel in association with Tipperary Education and Training Board. Now their uh, annual Clonmel Campus Open Day has just uh, kicked off a few moments uh, ago and it's running right uh, until 2 o'clock and uh, they would like your company, like you to drop along and find out what it is they have to uh, offer. Well, Noelle uh, Dillon has worked in the financial sector all of her life. She took early retirement and she decided to pursue a course in association with Tipperary uh, ETB and she joins me now here in Sarsfield Street. Good morning to you, Noelle. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Lovely to see you today as well. Will you tell me about your previous life, first of all, and what it was you were doing in the financial sector? Right, Fran. Well, I, when I left school, I joined the bank and I worked there for 40 years and I retired in 2018, but I always had an interest in fitness and exercise. I, I joined the athletic club in Clanmel when I was 11, when Joe Holden initially wow. started that yeah. up. So I was always participating in some form of sport and right through my banking, my financial career, I was always doing the sport. So when I took the early retirement in 2018, I felt that, you know what, I've too much left in me. I'm not going down the retirement route. Mm. And I said, I'll pursue something in fitness and exercise. So my ambition was to become either qualified as a fitness instructor or to be a personal trainer. So mm. what I did was I went down to the ETB and I contacted 
contacted them and I found them to be so helpful and they gave me all the information and I was actually steered towards a start your own business course in the Kilmac Thomas ETB which is interesting you'd think they would have said like okay do the sports and recreation course but they said no do this start your own business course because if you want to be an instructor or a personal trainer you need to know how is it viable? Is the concept viable? Very good point. Yeah, so this course was two years and the modules in it were fantastic because like initially I wouldn't have had any real computer skills or technology skills or communicative skills and this course like an example like when you do a course and you say right it's ex exercise fitness or start your own business or sports and recreation you think okay that's it but it's not each course has at least six seven or eight modules and they can all branch off into something else. So say the first course I did was, I'll just reel off a few mm. of them, spreadsheet methods, customer service, behavioural studies, bookkeeping, manual and computerised, marketing practice, business, business admin, principles and practice of selling computer applications and information technology skills. Wow. And you can see even from all of those the, the expertise you would pick up from them. I can't imagine. What is behavioural? Behaviour, it's, it's um, recognising people's personalities and how to interact with them, how to get their attention, how to get them engaged. And that would be vital for your work if you it were a personal trainer or, or the like, wouldn't it? It would, of course. And interesting about that one is that I really love that kind of thing because I grew up with deaf parents. Did you? Here in Clamel, both my parents were deaf. So myself and my siblings from a very, very early age had to be the communication key for them. We did the speaking for them. We did the communication with other people. So immediately going into that, I felt very comfortable with it and I want to learn more about it. So as I said, you can see from that. So when I got that course then, I was guided by the tutors there to say, okay, Noel, well, yeah, this, I can see your plan is good. Mm. So now go off and get the qualifications to become a fitness instructor. So that's then when I went to the ETB here and Stephen and Luke were so helpful. And they said, yeah, we have the sports and recreation one here. It's a level five and hopefully we'll go on to do a level six and I'll just get a little a little thing he in here to say to people that we need enough people to do the level six next year and unfortunately I think it's due to people not knowing enough about it not knowing what's there that um, if you're interested in sports and recreation and being a personal trainer there is a level six next year right. we need five to eight people Will you explain the levels to us um, and can you compare it to academia like uh, level five is what it's plc course plc basically. course okay so but level six is like degree is it no 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 okay. level six is still a cert but it if you're going further on to further education it would be more credits to ah, you okay i'm with you yes and that's another interesting thing i found with these courses talking to the say when I went into this course or first, when I walked into the room, sure, I should have known PLC course. Mm. I am of mature years and I was sitting in a class with 15 guys, a few girls that were just out of leaving cert. <laughs> and I felt so out of my comfort zone. I said to myself, oh my God, this will not work. And I was nearly going to leave it after two days. But no, I think when you're in an education setting like that, we realised we were all on the same level. It's just all about learning and education. And you know what? It's like 
I'm learning an awful lot from them because they have a modern take on sports and fitness. Yes. And then I have the life experience. Of course. So when things come up, like it should be something they mightn't have experienced before, and I'm there kind of going, well, yeah, sure, I, I've actually done that. And I can give my take on it then as in real life. This is what yeah. happened. Because so, Colin told me that earlier on. He said that even the people who are giving the courses, that they're learning as well. That it's, it's it, you know. Oh, it's, it's terrific. We learn from each, each other. other yeah. And the tutors encourage conversation in the class. It's not just sitting down and learning. It's, it's, it's more interacting with each other, sharing your yes. experiences. Yeah. And the tutors do encourage that and the conversation. I've learned so much from the young lads and they're terrific the way they do include me and as well as that, I include, include them, them. Of course, yeah. And, you know, again, we spoke about this earlier on, but I think it's very important to point it out. Those of us of a certain age might have had unfortunate experiences going to school and all of that. That's and, it, and, yeah. and you might think, oh, I can't go back and face all of that again. It's totally different, isn't it's it? It's totally different, yeah. It's just... They really encourage you to give the information, mm. and um, it's it's not it's not on it's not too difficult. Like it's a level five, and a lot of it is assignments. You do research yourself. It's mm. not rote learning. All mm. like of a mature age. When I went to school, it was rote learning. You had to know it off by heart. No, this is more doing research, right? Down, finding out more about things, and. Don't be afraid of exams. I was kind of a bit nervous when I was mm. doing my first exams because when did I do the leave insert? 1979. And um, I said, how will I do an exam? But before the exams, the tutors do, they kind of, they're there to help you. Yes. They're not there to catch you out. Right. They're yeah. there to get you to pass, to succeed in what you're doing. That's all they want. So all you'll get in the ETB, in these classes, is encouragement. And if they see that you're falling down in one level, just go up to them and they will help you along. They are there to ensure you pass these exams, you get your cert, and they make you feel so good about yourself. Isn't that absolutely fantastic? And also the social aspect to it then, did it give you a whole other uh, dimension, I suppose, of a social life as well? It did, sure. My conversation is, is, is huge now, you know. Yeah. I, I can talk about it, like you'd be chatting to one of the young people in class or someone from a pre-engineering course. That's a pre-engineering course, pre-nursing course, SNA course, they're all there. So we do meet up. The, the, the ETB are great for organising social gatherings where we get together and we mix with the other people taking part in the other courses and we exchange and I find out what they're doing. So yeah, I would have, oh, do you know I met somebody and this is what they're doing, it's so interesting and do you know you can do this and yeah, it's, it just opens up a whole new world and actually talking to other people on other courses and I ask them, you know, how are they, what, what are you going to be doing after it, um, where are you going to go mm. after this and I'm going, oh, I could do that. I could do that. So, so you're inspired by oh. what it is that you're you're hearing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Isn't that terrific altogether? Um, the the other impediment would be literacy skills and all of that. And again, we we alluded to that earlier on in the program. But all of that is looked after, isn't it? And nobody looks down their nose on anybody. Or no, um, an interesting one, and that is yeah, my IT skills wouldn't be like they're greatly improved because I did the first course, and that really helped me along to get familiar. But it's not too advanced. It's just basically how to use a computer, mm. where to find the things, how to do a Word document, how to do Zoom, how to do Teams, type, mm. and that. So. Just a funny story, when I started off on this course and the timetable came out, Yes. 
and the young lads were taking pictures and they would download it on their phones. So Noelle takes out her little notebook and her red biro and her blue biro and her ruler and I drew out the timetable like I did in school and wrote it out and I was saying, I know they're probably, you know, laughing at me but I don't care because this is the way I do it. And yeah. you know what? Any time a class comes up, they come up to me and say, Noelle, what are we next, Noelle? So my old timetable comes out. It is more <laughs> effective than, than yeah, anything else. So, yeah. But yeah, with the literary skills, they do they do help you along. Um, yeah. If you're anyway behind on it, they will say, look, just come up to me and, and I'll show you, I'll show you how to do this. Yeah. Or I'll print it off for you. And So what do you say to people out there this morning? They might have gotten a lot of information since 9 o'clock this morning. Um, and they're thinking, maybe this is for me. What, what would you say to them, Noah? I would say, go and investigate. Go down to the ETB office in the Kick and Barracks. There are loads of brochures there. There are people that will talk to you. And there are two-month courses, three-month courses, six-month courses, yearly courses. There, I, I don't know how many courses there are, but I know there's hundreds of them. Mm. And pick one. Play around with it say, well, okay, look, I'll do this short one. I get a feel for it. Um, it might be um, a good idea to do one of the the part-time uh, computer skills course mm. if you're not up to date on that. Don't go into something that's that's way too advanced for you. Start off with the basics. And as I said, you can do it for two to three months. Um, these courses are for everybody. Mm. They are run by the ETB. They're not expensive. Mm. Um, in some cases, they're free, in fact. Actually, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want to say they're free because yeah. I, I'm not too sure no, if they're so, all free, yeah. but a lot in some of them cases, are. A lot of, a lot and of them are free, yeah. Especially, I, I would encourage people that are in early retirement, active retirement, mm. that if you're there and you're saying, well, what can I Don't be afraid to go down, do these courses. It can lead on to something else. Or look, it just stimulates your brain. It gives you something to do during the day. You, you might upskill something that you have left dormant for years. Um, yes, yeah, so so go down. There are plenty of courses there. Do you know what? If, as I say, if you're at my stage in life and if the course is too much for you and you're overwhelmed by it, you can just pull back and say, OK, that's not for me. Right. But look, I can go and do something else. And as I say, they do encourage you. They, 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 they have to survive with us. They need people doing the courses to survive. So they want you there. It's Where are you on your journey right now in, in terms of what further study you have to do? What further study? As I said, I'm, this is a level five okay. in sports and fitness and I really want to do the level six. And this level six includes, includes psychology and more advanced aspects of anatomy and physiology and how the body works. So now you never, after that, I can be a full personal trainer, but I then I could go on, I could go on to college and do a degree. I'd automatically get in because I have the credits here. But another part of the course, the level five that I'm doing now, just sh showing you how it can lead you on to something else was adapted physical activity, where we deal with people with special needs and it's all about inclusion in sport and I love it. And I think that I would like to do more in that field. Isn't that great? But you discovered that along the way, so to only, speak. Only yeah. along the way and initially when we had to do the practical classes in adapted physical activity and we had our service users coming in, I was a bit nervous and I was saying, um, sure, I, God, how will I do this? Because yes. I just deal in gyms, you know, and dealing with people that are doing, pers that are doing exercise programs. And it was just so rewarding, so rewarding. And you learn every day as you go along. 
So what I might like, what I would like to do after this is initially is I'd like to do voluntary work in that field, but at least now I have the qualification. Well, you sell the notion very well, Noel. Will you be there today, by the way? Will you I'm be? going to pop up yeah. now for a while, yeah, because yeah. I want to see what courses, more courses are there <laughs> yes. for myself. But if people want to have a chat with you up there, you'd be willing, yeah, okay, you'd be willing I'll be to there. talk to them, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah yes, no indeed, way. indeed. Noel, uh, congratulations on all of it so far, and uh, I'm sure there's much more to come as well. Good to see you today. Thanks. Thank you, Fran. Thanks very much indeed. That's Noel uh, Dillon, and uh, that um, workshop is happening until 2 o'clock today in the main guard. We'll take a break. We're back with some uh, down your way in a moment. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Yeah, it's out and about uh, Tip Today. Today, we're here at the Scouts Hall on Sarsfield Street, uh, right beside the uh, main guard. And we're here in association with Tipperary Education Training Board. They're hosting their annual Clonmel Campus Open Day today until 2 o'clock. Everybody is welcome. I've learned so much about what's available um, through the ETB uh, today and it certainly is uh, worth thinking about that's uh, for sure um, alright it's time for this week's Down Your Way and Eamon was in Feathered at the book fair there at uh, the wonderful facility that is the um, Feathered Callisti Ballroom in uh, Feather. here's a little of what you can expect tomorrow morning from Down Your oh, Way Jasper is with us how are you doing Jasper I'm very well thank you okay, good, good to say hello on, on the programme you have a book or a bundle of books in your hand I have a bundle of books in my hand I'm actually going back up to uh, McCarthy uh, but I wrote one of the books that's for sale here this year. Um, sorry, I co-wrote one of the books. Okay. There were seven writers. Uh, it's called Winter Miscellany. Okay. And uh, we wrote it there a few months ago. And uh, we're selling actually the last of our books today. It's, it's sold very well for us. Okay, what's it about? It's a collection of short stories and poetry. Okay. So I wrote two short stories completely by accident. I met, I met a friend of mine coming out of a funeral one day and asked him how his writing was going. And I do a bit of writing myself. So he turned around and he said they'd lost one of the writers, would I write a few stories for them? Okay. And I said, most of my stuff is historical. And I said, uh, he said, no, we're looking for fiction. And I said, I've never written fiction before. He said, come on, give it a try. So I wrote two stories and John McKenna from RTU is the editor. Mm -hmm. So he liked the stories. He said, fine. So I had my first two fiction stories published in this book, Winter Miscellany. Absolutely. And they're, they're, they're nearly sold out. We printed uh, 500 and I think we're down to under, under 100 copies left. So I'm actually going back up to work now at the moment. I have 10 copies in my hand, for the, so I'm going to be selling them in the bar. So when you're, when you're at work, of course, you're in McCarthy's? Uh... I'll be in McCarthy's. Today is Sunday. It's a busy day. selling lunch. So, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've new young staff up there, so I can't leave them on their own. So I'll be popping up and down to the book fair. There's a great crowd here, too. Oh, yeah, massive, massive, massive yeah. crowd. Uh, of course, uh, the music in your place is magic, and the food as well. But uh, Yeah, but we, we had a few sessions recently now. We, most Thursday or Friday nights we have music. Yeah. And uh, it's either the Pheasant Pluckers or we have a second band called the No Name Band. Okay. So we've had some great sessions in the past few weeks. Yeah, the Pheasant Pluckers are well established and long established. Well, we're going nearly 35 years now, so Surely, uh, yeah. we're fairly well established at this stage. We're talking about doing uh, some of your life stories and, and your music and stuff one of the nights up in your place, so we, we'll get to it. You'll be more than welcome. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Every success in the book, and nice to say hello to you once again, Jasper. Thanks, Thanks very much. I'll see you later.
Nugent is with me all the way up from Kilsheel and Sean how are you doing? I'm not too bad at all Eamon yeah. delighted to be here today at the, at the book yeah. fair here on Feathers Yeah what a, what a special day you have lots of hurling books and all types of books here Well you know it's probably the best book fair in the country this one I've said it to several people here and they said it is out in the world it's, it's the best one and there, there are people here from all over Ireland even down from Northern Ireland and that like mm-hmm. uh, should Mike a bit of a collection in, in my situation to try to get rid of my, my stock of books I have mm-hmm. there piling up it's amazing what you'll gather together over a number of years mm-hmm. and uh, I've gathered a lot now so I'm, I'm just trying to um, you know what's uh, the one that uh, takes grad people when they come in here what, what's the one that kind of people will want well people have different interests some people will be interested in programs like in match programs and that and particularly the fines like the All Island fines Monster fines County fines and that other people will be interested in GA publications and that but I have a kind of a good mixture there today of mm-hmm. political will say books uh, various histories of, uh, uh, of of different areas and that sort of thing so I have a good kind of a mix of books and, and that but it depends what people are interested in really yeah, yeah. some people are interested in, in those books like you know like Tom Barry's book or um, some of those ones the, so- the Stolen Village what's that about the, sto- the Stolen Village is about something that happened down in um, down in Baltimore uh, in down in Cork where um, back there sometime in the 1600s or something there they, they, they came in from I think Morocco or someplace and they swept all the, the women in that were there like and took them off in the boat like and they were more or less slaves over there and then afterwards like it was a terrible thing really a shocking, shocking. shocking thing yeah, yeah. As I look, the Black Widow, Catherine Nevin story, that's some story. Well, it is some story, all right. There's no question about it. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. And I think she is the seas now, I think. Am I right yeah, to say yeah, that? Yeah. I think she is, yeah. So I know that's interesting. So a lot of those little books that I would have got, like, I purchased in the, yes. over, the, over the years and that, and build up a big collection and that. And um, so, yeah, and you know, I, uh, hope, the, I hope there'll be somebody else's books by this evening. Yeah. Eyewitness to 1798. Yeah. That should, that should be an interesting book. Very interesting now. There's no question about it now. It is a long time ago since I read that book, but um, there's a lot of information about all that scene that went on around the country, particularly yeah. in Wexford, I suppose, and in Northern Ireland, and that as well, and Wolf Tone and so on. And sure, here in Tipperary, down in Grange Oakland, a place called uh, Carrick Matleo, we had our own instance in 1798 mm. as well at that time okay. so yeah details a lot of, of that um, okay. um, information and you know if you're looking for a book a particular book you have a great chance of finding it probably here at this book okay. fair okay. you know because yeah, there's yeah. so many stalls and uh, so such a wide range like uh, 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 of, of, of a range of books that you know you, you probably will find what you're Absolutely. looking for but I was talking to Liam I don't know who down there and yeah. You know, yeah. the story and the folklore of his life because he yeah. in Central City over 40 years that's right yeah. he has great stories to tell there's no doubt about it he's you know he was up there in the in, in, in that box there uh, for, for quite a long number of years and yeah, over 40 years he witnessed some great games and great occasions and, and, and that over, over the course it's very fitting that he wrote all about Simple Stadium it was it was but he's a great knowledge like of it and that yeah. like so we're indebted to people like um, like Liam like Liam who Seamus King and people like that like who've done such a walk to to kind of all the things that that have happened in the course of the year and I suppose it was a thing years ago we were missing we were missing a lot of those kind of publications but mm-hmm. in more modern times in recent times now I think we've, we've filled that void mm-hmm. that was there on the GA publications 
down your way out and about uh, this Saturday, of course, from the Feathered Book Fair there in uh, the ballroom. I'm looking forward to making my way to the ballroom on uh, Sunday night, in fact, so I'm looking forward to meeting all of my old friends there, Sean and Seamus and Eileen and all of that. Uh, news is on the way. Uh, we have our Friday panel coming up then. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to the final hour of Tip Today. Thanks, Pat. Uh, rather special tip today. We're out and about. We're here uh, based at the Sarsfield uh, Scouts Hall on Sarsfield Street even, uh, right beside the main guard, and that's in association with Tipperary Education and a Training Board, and we're delighted uh, to be here. It's time for our Friday panel now, and I'm delighted to be joined here in the Scouts Hall by Sandra Farrell. Sandra is a nursing home operator, very frequent contributor to our show as well. Conor O'Brien is with us, finance professional, and Noel Buckley, we welcome back again, a uh, former secondary school teacher. So you're all extremely welcome, and thank you very much indeed for coming in to us today. Before we get down to the nitty-gritty, Noel, can I just go to you in terms of ETB and that opportunity for people, I suppose, to maybe have a second go with education. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Um, I started my teaching career back in 1985, and very often then there was only one pathway. And if you yeah. didn't get the points and get to college, the pathway was closed or it was about going back and repeating your leave insert. And I suppose the best way of personalising this for listeners is I know one student, he was, he was going to the high school, did rather poorly in his leaving cert, but he had this dying ambition to go into medical care of some sort, but didn't get enough appliance, he wanted to go to nursing. He went down here to the ETB here in Clonmel and did a PLC course in nursing. Uh, and in doing that, he qualified to do a sports, because he was into sports as well, he qualified to do a sports and conditioning course with LIT. And as he did that, he began to realise, I really like this, and I really have a passion for it. And he went on to Scotland to do a master's and became a qualified physio. And now he's the physio for the Cork hurling team. Wow. So there is a journey. Um, so what I would be saying to parents out there, to students, is just because one door shuts, and it might have been true in the past, your opportunities were closed. There are so many opportunities now, and the ETB, I suppose, is geared up for affording those opportunities in terms of PLCs, even adult education. I'm involved with Place for You up here uh, for retired people and mm. encourage them to contact it. A number of courses and activities that yes, are going on in that place. And it's about building mm. social connection, building opportunity, exploring new potentials maybe you never realised you had. There's a course for everyone. Isn't it great? And Sandra, yeah. to bring you in on this as well, because you and I have spoken many times in the past about the lack of availability of trained staff in your business, whether it's nursing homes or just in yeah. general health care. Um, again, you know, Noel touched on the whole journey of the, the health care. So, like, we have many opportunities in the nursing home sector 
sector that we provide work experience on yes. the ground. And there's many people, as Nola's described, that wanted to do nursing. But there's so many doors into the healthcare mm. system and, and every other sector. And I think because one short uh, close is going into uh, for third level, they're grossly disappointed and they give up. Don't give up mm. because we're crying out for staff. Like we um, have work experience coming from different colleges. We've Clonmel, we've Ross Gray, we've Nina. And uh, we're only glad to support people, give them work experience and valuable work experience. So, you know, I, I was uptown there in Clonmel. There's a great uh, vibe there, you know, with the ETP on show. There's music, crafts. And, you know, it just lightens your heart to see yes. people being so proud, showing their displays and what they've done. Isn't that great uh, to so see it's amazing it as well. up there. And Connor, with your background in, in finance and uh, the like as well, uh, that second opportunity for education, I mean, how, how, do, you, how do you feel about that? Sure. I mean, it's it's a long road um, if you want to go on certain um, on cert through the finance route. Yeah. Um, but I mean, as as all the guys have said, there are so many opportunities and there are so many ways to slice the apple tart now. I mean, you couldn't be the traditional accountant, but now there's a tax speciality, there's a financing and uh, corporate finance aspect, and there's equities and trading, and there's literally a plethora of uh, of qualifications. It's not just the what we think of as the historic accountant crunching numbers and doing up a big massive ledger and all that stuff. So there's a there's loads of uh, you don't have to beat the full hardcore qualification anymore. Yeah. It's the seven year route. You can do a one year add on, a two year add on, and just have all those facets to right. strings to your Almost own. like an apprenticeship, I suppose, exactly. in, in, in some ways, exactly. which is so important. Yes, no. Uh, the important thing as well in terms of the courses uh, offered by DTB, in terms of PLCs and a whole lot of other courses, is they're accredited, they're mm -hmm. recognised mm -hmm. by the National Qualifications Authority. And that's very important if you're doing a course. Right. And do you, as do you mean Connor it's, said, it's a way into to college or whatever? Yeah, university. but it, 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 you're creating building blocks. Yes. And um, very often, uh, in a former career I had with the teaching council, very often you had tutors who had maybe qualified with somebody that wasn't accredited mm -hmm. and couldn't get access into providing services because we live in an age now where you have to have your credentials and you have to be able to prove sure. they're authentic and yeah. they're up to a certain level. So the National Qualifications Framework has benchmarks you have to achieve in order to be able to say you are an accountant sure. or whatever it might be or a nurse. And a second thing I would say to anybody that's thinking of teaching, because the teaching career can be a very uh, expensive direction now to go mm. in, because it's four years if you're going for science, and then you have to do your two-year, um, what we people would have traditionally heard as uh, HD. But yes. now you can do a PLC course, you can go to a college in England, and you can have it all done in four years. Yes, uh, you know you're cutting out two years, which the, for parents. The only impediment the is the Irish, but you can do that. But when you, you can come do back, that. You? Yeah. you can do that. Yeah. Um, you know, you have an opportunity to do the Irish qualification yeah. when you come back. So, mm. uh, what I would say to anybody, it's worth going to your local ETB, finding out what opportunities are there, yes. and like if you go up to Archestown from the point of view of apprenticeships above outside Turles, talk about a facility mm. uh, that's there Brilliant, now for people yeah. learning yeah. the crafts. And, and we don't skills. we don't hear enough about what's available I suppose but if you go along today to the main guard at Clonmel you can do that for sure. Alright then to kick off uh, full uh, public inquiry into the state's handling of the COVID-19 pandemic will not be done quickly 
Uh, will take time, said uh, Leo Bradcar. Uh, he also said he is determined to have an inquiry <laughs> up and running in 2023, ideally by the middle of the year. He told the ANTU leader, Pader Tobin, during Leaders' Quest. Now, Pader Tobin was on this programme just a couple of days ago, and he spoke to me about information given to his party uh, by the HSE, showing that well over 40% of COVID-19 deaths in Ireland were linked to hospital or nursing home outbreaks. He also said that 44 families are starting legal action against the state as a result of uh, what happened. Interestingly enough as well, Paul Reid in the newspapers today saying we should be careful about revisionism. Um, can I start with you on, on, on this, Sandra, because God knows you know enough uh, about this. Are you surprised to hear those numbers, 40% of COVID deaths linked to nursing homes? Um, so where do I start? I'd need a day just to start for the first month revision of COVID three years ago, Fran. Yeah. Um, I've been very fortunate and unfortunate that I've experienced the whole journey of uh, COVID uh, on a personal level, but also in the nursing home settings. So I suppose eight and a half thousand people unfortunately lost their lives in Ireland. Out of that, 27% actually were in nursing homes. Um, I've been through it all. I was there for, I volunteered in a nursing home for the very first outbreak kind of in the North Munster area. What I witnessed, I can't describe in words, I still get emotional about it. Um, three years later, you look back and you say, my God, did we actually know what we were doing? We were all prepared. In nursing home settings, a home from home for people. We weren't trained, nor were we aware of how to hold, how to manage a pandemic. Um, all we knew about infection control was around aseptic techniques, what we're trained in nursing school to manage around wound care, how to prevent a, maybe a flu outbreak. But what we had to actually protect ourselves, uh, especially our residents first and then ourselves from, we had no idea. I always said to you, we were sent into battle without armour. And for the first few months of the outbreak, no private nursing home in the country had access to PPE. I myself undertook, a friend gave me 100 grand from uh, Taiwan to actually fund our own PPE and we distributed through the biker movement here in Ireland to smaller nursing homes that were crying out for protection to protect their residents. We had nothing and any of our suppliers were redirected back into supply hospitals. So when we rang our regular suppliers, there was no PPE for us to actually get from. What we had to put up with, uh, with regard to trying to manage the emotions of families was horrific. Uh, the fear that was in us all was awful. That staff, residents and families. I remember getting a call and, you know, I hope this is part of the inquiry and I will talk about the inquiry if I have time, that we used to get calls in the nursing homes to say that the residents aren't for transfer if they have COVID because we need to keep our beds free in case they're required for actually people maybe that are younger. And I am in, not embarrassed because I didn't make that decision, but people were actually denied their human rights to access to care. And that actually deeply upsets me. And this inquiry, um what, what kind of... I mean, Pater Tobin has serious doubts about this inquiry, mm. um, whether it'll be so, just some sort of a gloss-over effect. Yeah. What, what about you? What, what would you like to see? 
I don't want it to be a blame game mm. because I know that there is a report came out last year with the International Federation of the Red Cross and they said no country is actually ready for another pandemic. Mm. So we need to see what we learned and what we can, how we can move forward. Right. It's not a blame game of what nurse homes did, what the HSE did, what NEFIT did. Uh, it's not that. It's about what we learned. If our target for the pandemic was to, uh, like we have eight and a half thousand deaths, which is obviously too many, but we're one of the lowest countries in the world of deaths. But at what cost? Mm. You had a, a young girl By on during the week. Up, you mean, exactly. Yeah, yeah. At what cost? There was a young girl during the week with you. Um, uh, so the young adults were affected mental health. Actually, every age across mm. Ireland was mm. affected mental health. There was delayed diagnosis, and I personally know that because a member of my family, diagnosing cancer. There was about 30% reduction in hip replacements, knee replacements. I know for a fact that there's knock on deaths now today because of delayed diagnosis. There was no one in the outpatients. And do you accept, uh, before I move on to, to the, uh, the other panellists, do you accept that we were in completely uncharted waters? We had nothing, there was no playbook on this. We had nothing to learn from. Do you accept that, Sandra? Oh, 100%, Fran. Yeah. Um, now, if uh, we had an outbreak in the nurse, some, so, okay, we have an outbreak, we'll deal with it. But three years ago, the fear of God was in us all. Yes. And there was no one steering that ship. And we had many, um, you know, we were sailing backwards, forwards. We just didn't know how to go. And there was no one there to actually uh, navigate us through that horrible, horrible storm. Connor, can I ask you about this? I mean, Paul Reid concerns that we might be rewriting this in some way. And maybe it's very easy to look back now with hindsight and say what we did wrong. Professor Cormican, though, former NEFIT member, coming out very strongly and talking about the mistakes that were made and also making the point that he spoke up and other people like him. Um, what, are, what are you making of this? Um, I think this has been a long time coming. And I think those people were raising flags in the middle of this uh, when COVID was about, about how we were approaching it. Um, I mean, globally, there was such a diverse approach to it. I mean, the UK went off on their own tangent, Sweden went off on their own, we went with the rest of the world. Uh, and then somehow we all kind of converged at the end. But I mean, there was, there was fundamental moral questions raised at the start that were just swept under the rug. What, like what? Choosing older people over younger people. Was the point that Sandra Exactly made. the yeah. point. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the way we prioritise uh, what our focus is, is our focus on staying alive or is our focus on keeping industry alive or young people travelling or kids in education or... Or the economy in general. Or the economy in general. Or the economy in general. Mm. And I mean, the, the news that's been put around people's necks economically in terms of the funding and the free money that was just mm. pumped like it, it was... F never ending i mean it's i i'm glad this inquiry is coming i just hope and i, sh I share the same concerns that patrick tobin has in terms of the scope of it and where the where the focus will be because if it's going to look at i mean as you said we're still not even capable of coping with another pandemic mm. china still can't control COVID. So, I mean, where is the world? Have we actually really solved COVID? Or and and the point that Sandra made, even though she's been in the thick of it, but she's concerned that it may turn into a blame game. It's already going to be a political football. I mean, why do you think Palatobin was talking to me? But, I mean, that is the danger, isn't yeah, it? Absolutely. But, I mean, the, we need to step back also and say, when they say it's 8,500 COVID deaths, that's people who had, could have had other illnesses that, that contributed, but they just happened to have the COVID tick. So mm. it got reported as a COVID mm. death. I mean, I, I would have serious, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, yeah. but I would, I would, I can see how this would all align. 
in terms of just the conspiracies and uh, how right. COVID was managed and everything but else. But is the inquiry important? Yes, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I, I've said this for a long time that our, the government completely mishandled the treatment right. of COVID. I love to guess, Noel, um, how a panellist is going to react to a certain topic. I can't figure you on this one. Um, <laughs> what, what is your take on it? Um, well, I, I think, first of all, we've got to be careful that we don't, remem- we, we don't try remembering the past in the way the past itself could not remember it, okay? Uh, that we look back with the knowledge we now have. Uh, I think... And that's what Paul Reid is saying. Yeah, but equally, I would have questions around Paul Reid as, sure. as a chair. Yeah. How neutral is he in the sense he comes from a health Department of Health background? He played a huge role in that, so a lot of his buddies are in there. Mm. Uh, when it comes to that inquiry, I would have preferred to see a more neutral so a lot chair, of people chairperson. Yeah. That would be my first starting mm. point. I suppose the most terrifying scene, and it's certainly one I remember, I remember exactly where I was, uh, was that scene from a town in Italy where the army trucks were coming in loading body bags. Yeah. So it was a sort of... A, and that informed a lot of it our did. approach. It was, I it? mean, it, it was saying there's a tsunami coming your way. Yeah. And it has hit this town, and look at the effect of it. And we've got to try and protect our citizens. So it led to a lot of radical, I suppose, decisions at the time. Um, You know, I suppose it's the first time since the 1918 Spanish flu that the world has had to deal with a pandemic. I'd agree with Sandra, um, we haven't seen and we will all see a number of pandemics in our lifetime. Do you think so? I definitely think so and the science is there because what the science has shown is biodiversity decreases. Uh, epidemics and pandemics arise. It gives an opportunity for viruses. There's a balance there in nature that controls stuff. And we're so busy removing biodiversity that we're increasing. There was an interesting program on TG4 about a month ago. All medic, medical scientists, yeah. and they are studying where uh, epidemics are breaking out, and you can map it exactly with the decline in biodiversity. It allows some species to thrive, which are carriers of the virus, whereas they would have been held in check when you had a biodiverse, uh, rich environment. Right, so we're creating an environment. We're creating an environment that is going to foster and grow pandemics. And you have to remember as well, when I was born in 1959, there was 3.5 billion on the planet. I think we're up at 7.5 billion. And by the time if I live to be 100, we'll be at 9, 10 billion. So there's huge pressure and strain, people living in close conditions. You mentioned the science, though. And uh, one of the things that Professor Cormican made the point was, we were all told, listen to the science. And I mean, yeah. I, I, I put it out on air so many times, and he said now that was incorrect. It and, was. And, and amoral, which it, I found yeah, a very interesting you, you had, uh, you had uh, The science became gods, and I mean, you had Luke O'Neill and others saying you don't need to wear masks. And at one stage. At one stage, yeah. and common sense was telling us all, and anybody that worked in a medical background would say a mask is offering some protection. But now the good professor is saying that that equally mm. wasn't protection Te- enough either. Uh, you know? Protection yeah. enough either, and... Yeah, I suppose. I suppose it was the world's. Uh, in fairness to, uh, I forget his first name, Ryan, that was head of the World Health Service. Yeah. Um, in fairness, uh, groups like him have been doing work on preparing mm. for a pandemic, but they haven't been listened to by governments or by medical professionals mm. or by science. And I hope this pandemic has woken people up enough. And I would like to see, as Connor said, the focus of this inquiry, saying. The lessons we need to learn from this if we're hit with another pandemic. Uh, you talked about the deaths here. 
I'm looking at old people I know mm. uh, whose mental health declined, whose social connectivity declined. I remember one particular person I knew, um, and he, the old people were told, don't go outside your garden gate. Mm. And of course, it was grand. He was active in the garden. So the first three weeks was grand. It kept him busy. And then what was he going to do? And as I said to him, look, there's fields out there around you. Go mm. off and walk around. It was absolutely ridiculous. If you look at the environment yes. at Clonmel here, that people couldn't walk out to yeah. the local forest mm. and keep their two metres or three metres. Ludicrous. And you yeah. speak about that, you know, you don't want to see blame. But, mm. I mean, the HSE delivered people back into nursing homes yeah. without and checks I, and balances. And, and I and should have mentioned that, Frank, yeah. because the first few weeks of the pandemic before testing, serial testing, all that happened, the hospitals were emptied out because they thought there was going to be tsunami of admissions into hospitals. So old, vulnerable people were actually shipped out into nursing homes and you didn't have to say, you didn't have a say whether you are going to take them or not. Right. You were taking them. You weren't advised And they brought, largely, they brought Yes, COVID they did, them. unknowingly, because the serial testing wasn't uh, yes. um, available at the time. But, you know, I have to, and I've always said it, the whole idea of the lockdown, and obviously it's fear-based, because Professor Cormac mm. and I agree 100%, mm. it only happened because our healthcare was inadequate before the pandemic, yeah. and it didn't have to happen the way it did. If we had a, an excellent healthcare system with many beds available for this type of outbreak, right. then we wouldn't be where we were. We wouldn't have had as many lockdowns. So it was to manage our healthcare system. The fear of God was put into us for lockdowns. But then the government, as we know, was it in 2020, they opened up for Christmas. Now, the pandemic and COVID wasn't going away at Christmas time, but they opened it up for just the popularity sense. So it was, was populist at that, Absolutely. At that, at that particular yeah. time. Yeah. Just to comment on the financial um, a dynamic. Can I ask you about that? Because again, one of the points that Pat told me and made is that there's a lot of litigation uh, down the line for this. Already there's 40 cases. Um, uh, yeah, t tell me about that. Do you think it's only the Absolutely. I mean, when uh, when uh, Sandra speaks about, I mean, the people and the emotions and dealing with the families who just in those initial days the trauma of what people experience of having to yes. not even be able to say goodbye to their loved one or be in the same room. Body bags. Body bags and, and all the hysteria. I mean, you can understand why people are so emotional about it and especially when it comes to something like an end of life situation. I mean, emotions are high anyway. Yeah. And throw on top of it this, this whole thing about this person could be like... Uh, 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 contagious, contagious and, and I mean it's it's such an awful awful right. image to have with someone. So down the road, you see a lot of litigation. I see a tsunami coming, absolutely, absolutely. And if if, it, if I was in that position, I'd be doing the exact same thing. Right. The government mismanages from the start, and they are going to we, the taxpayer, are going to pay a humongous and the, price. The, the other aspect of that that Pander Two being brought up as well was that. Um, how will they deal with that from a legal point of view? Will it be antagonistic? Will it be what, what, what we experienced yes. right through the... Vicky Phelan experience is what it's going to be. They're going to just so They'll fight, fight this to too, them because, of course, the Attorney General lately said that, yeah, that's a perfectly acceptable way to deal with litigation from the state. Yep. You know, yes, no. Yeah. Could I just say, though, in terms of litigation, and I agree where there's malpractice, it's in the interests of, of, of protecting everybody mm. to challenge it if the health board or whatever government body won't acknowledge they need to change their practices. But we have a problem in this country with litigation. 
Uh, it's driving the cost of everything up. Other countries, we still haven't dealt with the fact that you can make frivolous claims and hope you get away with it. Um, right, but these, these aren't frivolous. I know they're if, not, if we I, look at cervical check and we look at mother and baby homes yeah. and we look at this issue, mm. these yeah. aren't frivolous. No, and, and I suppose a lot of them arise out of the frustration people have in dealing with the system where the system won't acknowledge, hands up, yeah, we got it wrong. Yeah, they'll and fight it. Government to, to departments, uh, and I've seen it in, as a teacher, a union rep down the years. Government departments have to be brought to the edge, so to speak, before they'll. And if you're a sick person or a family dealing with trauma, that's an awful place, as we saw in the Vicky Field and other cases, to drag people through. So we need a change in government policy. I would agree with Sandra. Unless we change the way we do healthcare in this country, mm. my mother was sick here in uh, South Prairie Hospital. Uh, I remember for the last year of her life and then out in a nursing home. But I could see being in there every day, there were so many patients who were there because they had nowhere to discharge them to. There was no space out there. And I come back to the issue as well. We're big into when you have an illness, we'll deal with you. But we won't try to prevent you getting an illness in the first place. So preventative health, healthy well-being. We need a huge shift in focus and a community base. All right, we're going to take a break. Panel staying with us uh, in case you've just joined us. We're out and about today. We're here in the centre of Clymel, indeed, on Sarsfield Street, uh, along with uh, the ETB, who are having their open day in the main guard today. We'll take a break. Back with our panel in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County, slatterysgarage.ie. And you're very welcome back to our Friday panel. We're out and about today. We're in uh, Sarsfield Street in Clonmel in the Scouts Hall. And in fact, we want to uh, thank Pat English and everybody involved with Scouts Hall for their hospitality and for looking after us uh, today. Friday panel with us, uh, Sandra Farrell is here, Connor O'Brien and Noel Buckley as well. Now, we've been speaking about uh, COVID. Let's move on to uh, the Accident and Emergency Department at um, Wexford General Hospital because, of course, it's closed uh, following that major emergency with uh, a fire on the premises. Some 100 ambulances were involved in that effort to evacuate patients to uh, other hospitals. Um, Connor, can I start with you on this? Because I was rather impressed with how the emergency plan kicked in and worked in this situation. And we don't know all of the detail, needless to say, but it seems to have been successful in terms of dealing with an emergency. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's from what we've heard so far, it seems to have been dealt with quite effectively. Um, what I was surprised at actually was that Waterford was able to cope with such an influx of paper. Well, that's that's so very interesting. The, the debate suddenly became available when yes. they were when they were required. Yeah. Um, I suppose I suppose kudos to the frontline staff who did what they went above and beyond to keep this keep the show going and to and to make sure that people were accompanied and looked after, especially in a crisis situation. So I think. Those guys have come out uh, looking very well, so kudos to them. Yeah, um, it's interesting though, uh, seemingly uh, from what I, I know, um, the beds were found from a central source as opposed to from the hospital itself, which is the natural thing if there's a, uh, an influx of people into accident and emergency. So should we not learn from that, for instance, <laughs> that maybe the best way is to not, not have people who are dealing on the front line trying to find a bed yes. in some other hospital? Absolutely, but I, I, this is the fundamental of what the HSE was supposed to set up to do, to consolidate the 13 health the boards and make one central agency and we'll all be brilliant and this is and now we know it works because <laughs> yeah. as you said they found the beds they found yeah. the beds and they found them within a matter of minutes 
Like it, it wasn't that it took a week to relocate people. It was literally within hours people were on their way to Waterford. Right. But you see, is this a typical Irish situation now? Okay, that worked, but we won't learn anything from that. Correct. We, we're going to do the best to put everybody back into Wexford and uh, we'll go back to the old way it was and we'll leave wards empty elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. What, uh, just, uh, and again, from your medical yeah. background, what did you make of that? They were able to cope with an emergency. Yeah, you know, um, I suppose I'm going to look at two things, Fran, with regard to this. So the emergency response, I commend them. But we have an emergency response required in UHL every day. And I, and I talk about personal experience there. One, I trained there 20 years ago as a nurse. But last year, I spent 24 hours with my mother in a &E. She was very sick. She had lung cancer and her immunosuppressant and she had sepsis. And what I witnessed that night and day in a and &E, uh, it was like a horror show. And if a fire broke out that night, my mother and many more would have died in a and &E, in UHL that night. You have no doubt about that? Absolutely no doubt. Because when my mother had to go to get an x-ray, the double line beds along the hall had to be all moved out of A&E to allow my mother's trolley go up the middle. There was no space even for a wheelchair to go up between the two beds. That's every single day in UHL. Right, so if you tr had to attempt an evacuation there, for example... Oh, you wouldn't. So like in a healthcare setting, like a nursing home, the HSC and any of their facilities has to be actually the same as us within a nursing home. If Hickory comes into one of my nursing homes today and sees a wheelchair in front of a fire exit, I have failed my fire safety. Hickway goes in the next day, actually, when my mother was in last March, Hickway came in unannounced to, to A&E. It was a war zone. They didn't know they were coming. It was unannounced. But we didn't hear much about that. In January, we had Limerick um, fire officers called into UHL. We're still waiting for the report to come out. But by God, in the nursing home today, if I have a wheelchair in front of a door, Hikwa will be down on top of me like a ton of bricks. So, like, we have to practice, actually, a fire. We're supposed to do uh, test fire alarms and everything once a week in a healthcare setting. That's also the hospitals. We also have to practice evacuation uh, once a month. That's not done in UHL. I remember as a staff nurse, and it's 20 years ago, a student nurse, we'd hear the fire alarms and we'd ignore them. We never once be so actually, busy, I yeah, yeah. But we never once actually practiced a fire drill. So I commend Wexford uh, Hospital what they achieved during the week. But by God, if it happened in UHL, it wouldn't be because of uh, their illness people are in the hospital they're dying from. They'd probably die from the fire, friend. Noel, what, what about that? Can we talk, first of all, about what happened in, in, in Wexford and how that... Now, we don't know the detail fully about how the fire started. Mm. Seemingly it was a machine up on some, some floor. But what, what did you make of how they dealt with it, I suppose? Yeah, well, I suppose the very fact no patients' lives were lost uh, is extraordinary yeah. because you think about it, there's a big difference between evacuating able-bodied people from a building and people that are on stretches yeah. and beds. So from that point of view, and I'm looking and thinking of our South Prairie General Hospital here, an older building um, in terms of mobility yes. and people who are yeah. not mobile moving them fast. You'd have to question as well the fire regs which Sandra is talking about. I know in school where I worked again fire drills had to be carried out every so often and um, and having worked with the Prairie Down Syndrome the amount of standards we had to meet for the fire officer mm. indoors that would shut down right. possibilities of fire but spreading. But if you go into so, UHL you don't You see. don't and I, I've been up here in South to Prairie uh, General Hospital 
there, Max well. Tout as well. And yeah. I have walked that corridor near accident emergencies that links you into the hospital. And I, I, only the last time I was up there, I was saying, mm. Jesus, if we had to get people out of here in an emergency, it would you be wouldn't. impossible if you had somebody in a wheelchair. Uh, so how come we're not meeting those right. standards? So is this a wake-up call? No. Well, I would all, I've always said every crisis is a learning opportunity. Yes. Every crisis is a learning opportunity. The question and the big problem we have very often is we're very good at addressing issues in a crisis, all hands on deck mm. and people will give up their time and not count the cost. But what needs to happen now is a look at the structures uh, and reform of the structures. I mean. Everybody has gone on for years about the health service and, and joining the dots. And uh, yet we have places like uh, the hospital in Limerick and other places in crisis. Right, so we need to learn from that. It is interesting, though, about how, you know, the, the central... Uh, area yeah. of the HSE mm. took over mm. and all of a sudden mm. they were able to Well, it makes, per it makes perfect sense if you think about it. If you have spare capacity in one area yeah, of course, and yeah. you have excess in another area, divert. Whereas you see nurses individually and uh, nurse managers working above on their own individual Trying bases. Trying to find a bed somewhere. And yeah. with modern technology on a screen, like the ESB, for instance, if you sit in their control room, can see where the power usage Let, is going. Let's not get into technology yeah. where the HSE yeah. is concerned know, because yeah. it's well, been a constant that, failure. But, but you see, that is part of the problem. And I remember hearing a, a guy who had seconded from um, Intel and Leakslip to modernise the technology in it. And he resigned in he protest did, did, because, yeah. because even he was showing the potential to deliver care to patients in their own home via technology. Mm. Yeah. You know the way but maybe your medication is slightly wrong and talking yes, and course, yeah. internet. But nothing talks to the other. No. Uh, I have a friend of mine in the x-ray department who came in very tech-savvy, wanted to put all the x-rays on, on data centres and the works. No, you're just, still carrying your X-ray yeah. from place to place. All right, to move on to something completely. Uh, sorry, Sandra, did you want yeah, to? Yeah, just that? very yes. quickly. Mm. What I actually um, noticed with regard to the evacuation: how many patients were able to be discharged home? So it brings me to the whole dis delayed yeah. discharges. Right, but it was amazing they could discharge very rapidly people and yes. clear out a hospital. Because we're always told that a consultant has to be involved in that decision, yeah. for example, but yeah. are you saying that that couldn't have happened in such a uh, quick What I'm saying now? is that there are so many patients that are just waiting around for mm. maybe a test result or a consultant to sign off. So when we needed rapid discharges, there was rapid discharges very quickly. And that could happen in all the other hospitals. Sandra, you're getting you know? cynical. You know that, don't you? In my <laughs> old age, Fran. <laughs> now, to move on to something else, uh, and again, a big issue issue for us during the week. The Rileys, they're a travelling family living in Cashel. The family consists of Bridget and John, the parents, and 11 children. Now, they can no longer live in their mobile home because it's rat infested and I was there and uh, I went and recorded the interview there and it was absolutely horrendous. We broadcast the interview with the family on Monday. We got a very mixed reaction indeed on social media, particularly some of the rhetoric very unfortunate uh, indeed. Um, Connor, can I, can I go to you on that? Um, like, you know, people had all sorts of opinions on this and there was racism involved and there was all sorts of stuff. But here are the facts. Eleven kids and two adults were living in a four-birth caravan. Um, in this day and age? Yep. Um, not not surprised. Uh, but the question we need to ask, Fran, is, I mean, personal responsibility. Mm. When and I they, choose this to bring was kids asked in, all of the time, yeah. Yeah, but when I choose to bring my kids into the world, I bring in them with a sense of responsibility and be able to provide for them and provide for family. 
So, I mean, where is the person's responsibility in bringing 11 kids into the world in that environment? Of course, there was an Irish tradition. It was a Catholic tradition to have these big, huge families, even if you couldn't afford them. But you also provided for your family. You didn't rely on the state to provide for your family. There there's has to be an element of personal responsibility in here. Now, I don't dispute that the, the circumstances were disgraceful. I mean, obviously, and there's always occasions where people do need that assistance. And, and it's a, but it's designed to be a temporary assistance so that to help you get out of that rut and get on your own two feet. The, this, the welfare state that we're, we've created and we are sustaining here, I don't understand how this can be a sustainable model. Mm. Noel, can I get your opinion on, on this? Um, what, what about that, Noel? Because you're, you're socially active now as well as everything else. What, what do you make of that? Yeah, well, I, I think we, we have a social responsibility where we see needs and to address them. Uh, Rather no, than judge? Rather than judge, yeah. yeah. And, and there is an element of judgment, and as Connor rightly said, there are lots of... You see, argue for your excuses and you'll be sure to find them. Mm. And there are plenty of good reasons why you might say, look, um, people should take personal responsibility, this, that and the other. But the facts of the matter are, local authorities have not spent the budgets they've been allocated to provide housing mm. for travelling families. Yeah. And now, I believe the Tipperary in Fairness is it's, one of the better uh, ones. one of the better uh, yeah. ones. Yeah. But I would equally have to say... Uh, in teaching justice, I always say, if, it's, it's, if you imagine a scales, there's your rights and there's your responsibilities. And both of those need to be matched. And that's not just true of the travelling community. I think it's true of the settled community. We all have rights to a housing. We, we see many settled people now. Uh, or sorry, the, the, the settled people themselves who cannot afford houses. You go up to O'Connell Street on a Friday night and see the queues there. Mm -hmm. uh, so Irish people, instead of thinking of travellers, I would say Irish people have a right to housing. But it's becoming impossible, even if you have the means. Mm -hmm. At the moment, mm -hmm. uh, my daughter's trying to buy a house in the Dublin area good and has a good job. Her, her future partner has a good job, but they are struggling. Mm. They are struggling. So um, can you imagine people who are at the bottom of the economic scale? It's an impossibility. Of course, but are you concerned of being, you know, socially active in the way you are? Yeah. Are you concerned that, you know, some of the response was so judgmental? And, and I'm not having a go at Connor here, but yeah. like, we are where we are. They, we have, are, a, they yeah. have 11 kids. They have 11 kids. And they were, and well, living, that's what I'm saying. And they were living in... Atrocious, atrocious conditions, conditions and you know. from even a health point of view going back to yeah. the topic we've had That's previously a good point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. if you have and I mean even from an education point of view if you have kids going home from school to that environment and they're trying yeah. to enhance we're trying to enhance learning and so on it's absolutely impossible yeah. so from a, from a health from an educational point of view from social integration I mean, nobody should have to live in those conditions. I heard that interview. Nobody should have to live in those conditions in this yeah. day and age. Were you and where, where there is a will, there's a yes. way, as we've been of discussing course. about COVID. Were you surprised, though, um, we had to monitor so much stuff to No, I am not surprised. Right. Okay. As a teacher, uh, I, I have, uh, when I came teaching in the present on Mel, in fairness to the presentation, sisters, they had begun to provide some form of access to education in what was then called the old 
school, boarding school, but they were still excluded from mainstream education and they gradually were integrated into the national primary system. And I remember in 1986 taking up my second year religion class up to the old boarding school to do a Christmas party for them. And um, bringing down the nun, I forget her name now, who was in charge of it to talk to the kids. But the questions they asked that nun, you'd swear they were visiting an alien planet and meeting aliens for the first time. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, yeah. thankfully now, even in, I know in my former school up there, Presentation Secondary School, travellers are integrated into the secondary system. Mm. They are doing the leaving cert. But there is, from, yes. a, from a female point of view, there's huge cultural questions. It's a very patriarchal society oh, right. still. So females, coming back to Connor's point about large families and that, females do not have the rights that females yes. might have in the S- Sandra, will you put on your other hat on here for a moment uh, and that is the, the, the parcels the food parcels food that you're parcels, involved, yeah. involved in, in in Nina and one of the things that I was struck by of what you said about that, that it is not judgmental, that you don't judge anybody who comes into mm. you. You do not make a point, and this is with respect to Connor. you do not make a, rep- a point and say, oh, should they have 11 children? They should have looked after things much better and got contraception or something, so we won't give them a food parcel. You know, what? you don't make judgments. No, and I suppose I seen the video when you first put up, I think it was Sunday night mm. on social media, and unfortunately I missed on Monday the conversation. Mm. I wanted to hear that conversation because I have dealt with the travelling community for many years with many hats on, and I've. it's just so sad that a percentage of the travelling community um, have caused, I suppose, this rhetoric of judgmental, their, the antisocial behaviour, oh look look at the state from theft, there's a percentage. But there's a percentage in all levels of society mm-hmm. they're always blamed for something. And I often wonder if the name O'Reilly wasn't mentioned and it wasn't mentioned about the travelling community, would they have got such a land basin like That's they did? That's a very good point. Yeah. And, and I suppose, you know, I've been questions have been asked to me since and I obviously didn't I didn't hear Monday's show but people say oh sure there must be a background story to that sure they must have been offered a house now and they ruined Mm. that as well if Mm. they ruined the caravan so it's a whole dialogue and a whole picture of a conversation that we have no idea yes what you put in front of us for facts they were living in an awful situation and I just wonder what supports maybe were offered to them have um Social services being involved, have they supported the family? Right. Because if it was another family, would they be left in the and, same and, condition? And because I pointed to you, Connor, on a couple of occasions there, do you want to have a quick minute on, on, on sure. this once again? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, to clarify, yes. <laughs> <laughs> before I launch my oh, that is career. <laughs> <laughs> and to be absolutely clear, Connor, yes. Go uh, on. I suppose, I mean, <laughs> the society we live in now, we yes. have. We have a very polarised society. Yep. And we had that young family who were sleeping rough and casual in a tent. Mm-hmm. Uh, two kids, two, two adults. Yeah. They, were, they were in that circumstance as well too. They were there for a month and they fought for their, for their, uh, for their support. And, and I'm not sure if they actually even received it in the end or not. But, I mean, the reality is we've now got this humongous divide in society mm. of people who are at the extremities of nothingness mm. and the people who are in the middle fighting just to exist mm. and have a roof over their heads and, and, and historically it would not have been the case. So I mean the, what we are going to have now is more and more of this animosity yes. when we, especially when the government brings in 60,000 Ukrainians into the country and yeah. hands them what's perceived as a free house, free spending money, free car, everything else 
and we've got ordinary, what we say, ordinary decent people trying to live a decent life and contribute mm-hmm. to society yeah. by paying their taxes who can't get a house. So we're divided, are you, are you saying to me? Just really quickly, you because know, I have to yeah, take my well, phone that break. Yeah. You know, scarcity resources foster the growth of fascism, racism Absolutely. and all of that. And, and fear. And, and, and fear. And, fear. Yeah. and failure by government to address those scarcities. They're a decade old now right. at this stage. Yeah. Just a couple of seconds on it. Yeah, then just regards, I yeah. suppose, the travelling community. You know, there's seven seven times higher rates of suicide, suicide in the yes. travelling community. Uh, only 3% live beyond 65 years of age. You know, mm. 80, a one in 1% go to third level uh, college. Yeah. And if that was any other community in Ireland, there'd be uh, big supports uh, behind them. All right, let, let me just take uh, our final break. Back with the panel in just a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 or slatterysgarage.ie. Uh, Connor O'Brien and Noel Buckley, the winner of our, our 100 euro voucher in association with Aramont, by the way, is Kathleen O'Halloran of Templemore. So well done to you on that, Kathleen. We only have about five minutes uh, left and we're de- deliberately leaving this uh, to last because we want to aggravate as many people as we possibly can because TD's pay has risen to €107,376 and that's surpassing the peak, I believe, of 106000 that was reached in 2008. Noel, I think you're well qualified to take this, first of all. Um, what do you make of that? Uh, because people are incensed. And I suppose the, the, the question is, how can people who are making that sort of money plus expenses and so comfortable um, represent people who are struggling? Yeah, I suppose that's, that's a genuine question, but I would have to point out as well, their salaries are linked to, to benchmarks, the, the, yes. to levels civil of the service, civil yeah. service. So mm. it's not a case of TDs bang the table. No, but it's not, it's not a case of TDs bang the table. And, but well, I think we need to be careful in terms of politicians as well. Who in this day and age would want to be a politician? I don't know. Given the level of verbal abuse on social media and so on, and every opportunity to bash them. Now, I'm not saying that I'd be forced to criticise politicians. You can can hate the sin, but not the sinner, if Mm. you know what I mean. Uh, There are actions politicians need to be held up to account for, Mm. but that doesn't mean you personalise it and attack the person. Right. uh, So is this populist stuff that comes up every... Well, sure, it's always populist. You can never win as a teacher, a politician or whatever if you happen to get a pay increase. Uh, But again, like, I mean, uh, the ordinary people out there are feeling the pinch in terms of energy costs and a whole range of things. So, again, I come back to the question. Scarcity of resources create judgments. Uh, Sandra, as somebody who aspired (laughs) to the gig, uh, so to speak, um, what what do you make of this? Yeah, right now in this moment, I'm glad I didn't get up to the TD (laughs) three years ago. (laughs) But, you know, I suppose... It's across the public sector. Um, I do believe that it's a kick in the teeth for the people in our most vulnerable in our society. The the gap between the lowest paid and the highest paid is growing bigger. And if you look at our TDs in relation to across Europe, I think we're the third highest public reps in yep. Europe. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've the likes of Spain, I think, is only about 35,000, well, 36,000. Our makes an awful lot more than Joe Biden, for example. Yes, yes, uh, yes absolutely. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we need to look at that. And they have they have a way of wavering their pay increases. And there's not too many of them have. Mm-hmm. I think Sinn Féin, Sinn Féin and maybe Féin, yeah. and there's about 40 Sinn Féin TDs. have agreed to forego the yeah. increase of people for profit, I think, as well. Yeah. yeah, and you need to look at that then. Why are they doing that? Is it because they, they want to be elected into the next government? I'm but you, I you're do, getting so cynical. I know, Fran. I, yes. I'm hanging around with you yeah. too long now today. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think, look, it's a kick in the teeth and uh, we need to be looking at... Uh, we've yes. covered our marginalising society over and over again and they're forgotten. At the risk of annoying more people, Connor, can I put something else to you? Is that, you know, you get what you pay for. Exactly. And is, is, is that the issue here? And, of course, if you make it... Impo- like, say, if you were to make the salary so low, you'd only have people who could afford to be politicians. And you have the likes of, I don't know, you might have Dennis O'Brien or Michael O'Leary. Um, or, so be careful what you wish for, I suppose. Is that it? Well, I mean, the, the idea that we're sold currently of democracy is a load of horse crap. Right. So what we have is not democracy. And what any country in the world here is not true democracy. What do you mean by that, though? Because you've got... We all go out and vote. Yes, but you vote for the, the people who, who are elected to go to be put on the ballot by the paper in the first place. They're all chosen. Mm-hmm. And then when they get into the inner sanctum of the doll and they all choose, OK, well, you can have this and I'll have that and you, you, I'll put my brother in here and my cousin will be a senator. And if sure, look, if you don't do well at the national elections, we'll put you in the, into the Senate and sure, maybe the next time we can go again. I mean, the reality is that we do not have anywhere in the world a true democracy where you've got the right people. So mm. a qualified doctor, for example, in the health service. Right. Or a, but, but who was it that said that democracy isn't perfect, but it's the best system that we yeah. have, you know? You know so. Well, yeah, well, again, but again, people are still complaining about, oh, why is Bertie Heard mm. back, in the system, back in, the side, in the system again? And it's the, the whole thing of the big brotherhood and the closed circle, yes. and we control everything ourselves. So if you want to keep that culture alive and control, keep people in that circle, you, you're going to obviously want to control it and keep it to uh, the, the limited handful of Final people. word on it, yeah. no? Well, I think that's why ordinary citizens need to constantly hold people to account and there's less opportunity for people coming together now to debate issues and challenge politicians. Why are you taking that decision? Why are you not doing something else? As I said, the younger generation out there are trying to get houses. If this was in France, they'd be out on the streets yeah. we're, every weekend. We're not natural protesters. Yeah, are well, we? we need to start doing All that right. to so make change there, happen in there this There we country. must leave it. Fantastic panel today. Thanks very much indeed to Noel Buckley and to Conor O'Brien and to Sandra Farrell as well. Well, and special thanks indeed to the wonderful Tipperary Education and Training Board and uh, they are continuing to host that uh, open campus day at the main guard here in Clonmel until about 2 o'clock so you have still time to uh, get down there. Thanks very much to, indeed to Emma who uh, produced uh, to Owen for looking after all the techie stuff here, to Ali who looks after our content and Stephen is on the way with the time till I'll talk to you Monday bye bye. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Puck On You can't beat experience With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans We like to call ourselves the experts Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie 